Um, then I saw the audience I was attracting, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want guys because for for example, right, Yola douchebag. I made fun of like young kids with flat brim hats that did dumb shit. Cool. So I'm like, oh, I could, I have tons of material on that. And then I go to like PRI, and someone goes douchebag, and I'm like. <laughs> No, I don't think I, yeah, I'm like, I, don't think I want that. You know? That is a tough one. <laughs> All right, guys. So today's guest is Alex. He is known as YOLO Douchebag for the most part. He works at Lund. He's worked for a lot of other tuning companies. He's been part of the charge, leading the charge against the EPA and their excessive overreach is the only real definition for what they're doing. And we're going to try to... Uh, extract some information as to what the EPA is doing and how we as normal citizens maybe can actually help. Right. Because that's always the thing is like, it's so far away feeling like it it feels so far away. I'm blown away that a lot of people, um, like you say, feel it's so far away, but then when you're in it, how close it can get really fast. I, I guess the, the rulemaking feels really far away. Okay. But then the people that are just following orders are really close. Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting way of putting it. So we really don't have a guideline, right? Like, like you, if you want to play a game or, or, or a sport, you want to know what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the rules? Can't double dribble, can't travel, you know, can't do this and that. But on the EPA stuff, it's almost like you can't do anything we don't like. And I'm like, well, what is it that you don't like? Yeah. And the problem, I think, in lies is if they were to spell it out, it can get dissected. And then therein lies, you know, um, negotiations and why, why are the cruise lines allowed to just billow smoke, the, the uh, airline industry. But then you're going to go after mom and pop shops that tune cars to go down the quarter mile. You're like, well, can you make sense of that, please? And they go, no, Here, here's a fine, pay it. Yeah. And if uh, you don't want to pay it, uh, we'll put you out of business and potentially in jail, or both. I think that's that's their their strategy is start at the bottom, get those people, and also like an inside out because they start at the OEM, work out, but then they also start at the bottom and work in. So like the big companies are still skating by safe. The giant companies are getting hit, and then the little companies are getting hit. So in your opinion, um, what would be a giant company? Give me an example of what a giant a company A giant is. company to me is like a Holly Performance. Have they gotten hit? As, as far as you know. As far as I know, they have not. Okay, right. And, and that's when I go, okay. And, and what small company, in your opinion, has gotten hit? Lund. Or PFI. Yes. Right. PFI, Lund, and most recently, um, Vargas. John Vargas oh. and Mike Vargas. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. So what, what, what field are they? Like what the platform? They build rotaries. Oh, wow. And they said, they're in Virginia, they build rotaries, and they said $5,000 fine every car that leaves their shop modified. So, for example, a big company like Holly doesn't get hit, a small company like Lund and Vargas and PFI gets hit, why? And then the one above Holly, which is OEM, because everybody's building around OEM. Right. So, So then the problem, I think, in lies is, in my opinion, is who's paying who? Uh, is is the EPA saying, are you too big to find, too big to fail because you're a big company, so we'll leave you alone because UAW, because, you know, whatever affiliations they might have. And it's easier to go after a smaller company like Elon, like a Vargas. But but in terms of optics, doesn't that look bad? Don't you think the EPA might look bad at going after little guys that are just trying to get by as opposed to a major uh, company? Oh. 
of course, the went, GoPro. It went down? <laughs> well, we still have audio. Okay. But I don't think that... Uh, that's, that's tough. I, I get that you know, going after Lund sucks for everybody who likes Lund, but right. it doesn't for 99% of people. And that's why... It doesn't affect them. Like, it literally doesn't affect them. Yeah. So, if people were to say, well, okay, let's say I have a mom and pop shop. To record. Yeah, go ahead. Let's say I have a mom and pop shop, and um, I'm not affected. And I hear PFI or Lund got hit. I don't care, Mm -hmm. because it's not affecting me. But, think about it. Do some critical thinking. If they can go after a Lund or a PFI, they can go after you. And and it doesn't matter if... uh, if you put the off-road only use label, mm-hmm. all that stuff is out the window. Like literally out the window. Yeah, I think people that hide behind an off-road use only thing is delusional. Absolutely. They'll say, well, this is the funny thing. So the EPA will look the other way with big industry. Okay, that's fine. So has the EPA, in your opinion, what percentage of the automotive racing, uh, say automotive period, are us, the racing, performance and racing industry. Oh, I mean, we're the 0001%. We're, <laughs> right. we're the tax the rich. Right, <laughs> we're, right, exactly. We're that. So why, what do you think the motivations are for the EPA to do that? Do you think it's to scare people to modify their car ever, period? And then, like you said, work their way up from the little guy to the big guy and in the middle, you kind of like get rid of all of Yeah, them? I think it's just so easy to go after a big conglomerate that, like, once you take out the OEM's ability to work in to the little guy. Like once GM is putting out cars that they're saying you can't tune, once Dodge is saying you can't touch this, that's when they really start to hurt the little guy because not everybody wants to drive a 1999 Camaro (laughs) that has a tune. Right. Even if you are still allowed to modify those, people want to drive The the new Mustang like you just rolled up in. Right. People want that and they want to be able to at least modify a little bit and it's it's hard to it's hard to uh, even explain. All right, I would I would think like the the people that go want to buy a brand new Mustang, for example, like the new twenty twenty four. You know, basically it's a reskinned S five fifty. So okay, we're looking at it. Um, what do I want to do to it? Well, I want to throw some headers in it. I want to do eighty eighty five, and I want to you know maybe put a Cobra Jet intake and blah blah blah. Well, you can't on twenty twenty four, twenty three and under. You can. So does Ford look at that and go, we don't care? Or do they say, well, you have like sanctioned tunes that, from us that are available. And I think that's what they're going after because Dodge, with the electric stuff, they yeah. have their own little shop or something. And yep. they're like, you've got to go through us. And the way they put it is, well, at least you'll know you get it done right through Dodge. And I'm like, dude, so every hot rod shop you're going to basically get rid of someone that you have you're a telling them they're all wrong yeah they're all doing it not up to dodge's spec <laughs> right. which if you ever owned a dodge up to dodge's spec <laughs> is dodge. not exactly <laughs> it's not the cream of the crop here right well don't get me you know, be careful some guys really love their dodges but i, I understand what i hope they're self-aware enough though <laughs> to know they're not i own chevys and i can point out all the problems with it right <laughs> like if you were to say to someone a hellcat is not that great of a car you'll probably have a fight like, if they own that Hellcat or if they own that yeah. 392, uh, I would go. Um, no pros, trash. That's okay. Um, I would go, okay, whatever. Uh, you know, like, I know Mustangs have their deficiencies, and I'm able to say how much the transmission sucks and this and this and that. So it is an interesting thing to kind of um, have Dodge say, we're going to corner the aftermarket performance modifications or, or after performance modifications 
And then you go, well, is that EPA approved? Like, is that cold air EPA approved? Is the um, uh, CAT scan EPA approved? All that stuff. So yeah, like, I don't know what the end game is because Ford, for example, 2024, they said, you can't tune them. And the people that can, Whipple or potentially liver noise, can get like a carb EO tune. And I'm like, mm -hmm. what the hell does that mean? Like, what's a carb EO tune mean? It means, oh, it'll pass, in, you know, it's emissions requirement in California and other states. And I'm like, but what if I want to put ID1700s and a twin turbo in this stuff? Yeah. And they're like, well, you're, you're effed. And, and why does one state get to make the policy? Don't get me that's, started on that. Because that's stuff. crazy in itself is that everybody has to follow these strict standards that one state decided to put in because for some reason, if you want to sell parts, they have to be 50 state legal. Right. And then that state, because it's the highest, I guess, amount of cars, it's in that state, so it dictates everything else. But luckily, Florida, Texas say, you know, screw you. But mm -hmm. did you hear the alternative? about the alternative to CARB is the SEMA certified program. Uh, I heard about it on the PFI speed video and I, my brain just started to go, wait, what, what, what? Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of a slippery slope if you want to get into it. I don't know if you have SEMA affiliations or anything. I don't and I actually have a lot of, a lot of dislike for the RPM Act. Okay. And how it was written. Excellent. I, I think you would probably agree with me on yeah, that. Yeah, we can go through that, but let me let me yeah. talk about the SEMA stuff quick, and then we'll get into RPM because <laughs> that is very, a very good point to bring up. So SEMA, the lawyer, was talking to the PFI Brent. Is that his name? Yep. Um, and he's like, well, you know, that's why we have SEMA certified because you don't have to go through CARB. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So now there's another sanctioning body that allows me to tune if I pay into their program and get approved by their overlords to, to work yeah. on my, oh, dude. And I was like, how much does that cost? And will you approve? Let's say, hey, SEMA, I want to put 1700s, twin turbos, e and, and meth, a street, E85, whatever in my car. You approve it? They go, hell no. That's crazy. That's a, that's a pollutant. I'm like, why the, yeah. why the F is this thing even a thing? So when I heard that, I went, nah, that sounds just like they're just trying to, Gets them and PRI, I'm kind of like salty on them. Yeah, they're, they're a combined company for people that don't know, and they just built a beautiful facility. Congrats Gorgeous to facility, them. right? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, hey, join the program. They, this big building needs to be yeah, paid for. They brought, bought out a bunch of people that used to work for the big OEMs. Ah. They brought them in, and it's kind of now just a mix of talking. I'm sure they still have connections to OEM. Right. And it's all a big trio in a way. In your opinion... Do you think PRI and SEMA serve the best interest of the performance aftermarket? Unfortunately, I don't think any private company really will, can serve the best interest when you, I don't believe they're a not-for-profit. Anytime that you have a for-profit interest, it's hard to serve the best interest of anyone. Right. But... You're based as hell, dude. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you because we didn't really talk about that extent of stuff before being on, on camera. And it is interesting because we see the buildings they're building, mm -hmm. the programs they want you to buy into, the protection they infer. And then you get in there and you're like, I have no protection. <laughs> like, yeah. EPA will knock down my door, raid my, my, and they don't, whatever. Like, why, why am I a PRI member? Well, the same thing member? happens with NHRA. You buy for your license. Okay. You pay every few years to have a license to go fast down mm -hmm. the drag strip. Right. And the tests are like, oh, go down to the 60 foot, go down to the eighth mile after that, then go down. And I'm like, 
what? Like, who's the guy telling me that, like, right. I'm safe enough to go down the track in my car? Like, what? It's like, what did you, you get someone to sign this shirt? Like, the, the testing was hilarious when I saw for, for John Monsignor. He was like, yep, go down, uh, go down 60 foot, then eighth, then yeah. quarter. He did a quarter mile rip, and they're like, hey, you're good. <laughs> it's mostly just like, okay, as long as you sign the check, like, that's the key. Right, so as long as the dues are paid, they're happy, but what do they do? Are they going to put their full strength of their lawyers to really fight the EPA on stuff that's 100% an overreach? Mm-hmm. Like, in my opinion, it's a huge overreach to hit up Brent for selling Hondata when Hondata is still able to be, be manufactured. Like, yeah. wait, why don't you go out to Hondata? Why don't you? Well, maybe they did. I don't know. But I'm like, he's a tiny shop. And he's got, and you know, it hurts me because he's got sons and he's passionate. And I'm like, yeah. you're going to go after that guy and totally ignore, you know, Carnival or, or ignore yeah. Royal Caribbean or anything like well, that. Well, a guy like Brent, like, do you look at your sons and you're like, like, you're going to go into the automotive world? Or are you looking at them like, you got to learn something else because... Yeah. This is a rocky road. Learn to code, bro, or something. I know that's one of those hashtags, but like something because I, even though this is your passion, I don't see it being a future for, for yeah. you to raise your kids off of. Tuning is like, first off, it's gotten insanely more complex. Ugh. And it's just not profitable. We were talking about this with somebody like, nobody's going to develop the, the ability to unlock these cars because it's not going to be profitable or an easy-to-do thing. They're going to be knocking on your door in a few months of you doing it. Tuning has gone backwards. So when I started tuning, it was uh, 2015-ish. Uh, Lund Racing you know, hired me after seeing some of my... Literally after seeing some of my videos. And I'm like... It's an interesting resume. I'm like, You're, you, you know what I'm doing, right? He's like, oh, we just... You say car stuff. And that's a funny story, but it can take a while. But basically, I was saying such absolute horse crap. But it was true, and I didn't know it was true. Like, yeah. tuners steal tunes, and you just draw it off, add a degree, call it your tune, da-da-da-da-da. And they're like, how do you know this? And I'm like, I don't know this. I'm just, be, I'm just talking crap because I'm bored. <laughs> and uh, they're like, well, you seem to know some stuff. And then we had some conversations. We ended up liking each other. I started tuning. So in 2015, you had the SET. You had HP tuners. You had um, a bunch of different tuning outfits, and you could just... Send a tune to somebody remotely in Alaska. They flash. Your car runs great. Send a data log. You're good to go. Now, unless you have an internet connection, you can't even data log. Oh, no. You can data log. But now they say, well, you have a cell phone. And you can do everything through your cell phone. And I'm like, what if I don't have a cell signal at tracks? You know how awesome the signals are at tracks oh, yeah. at a busy event. You go so, to Bowling Green and you're not actually talking to a human <laughs> and out of the facility until you leave. Right. And then I'm like, um, this isn't going to work. So... It, I think the EPA has made everything worse. And these people, these manufacturers are trying to come up with ways of staying in business. And unfortunately, it hurts us because we're the end users and we have to jump through hoops. I'm, I guarantee one day we're going to have to stick a device up our butt and then one in our ear to flash a car. Because, yep. just because, you know, like yeah, authentication. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I, yeah. I don't think I want this. Life. Fingerprint on your computer. That's the other <laughs> thing. Now, are you a 2A guy? Are you a... Are you a oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Well, so... Full disclosure of me, I am anti-all government, basically. <laughs> I, I like it. People are like, oh, you know, this guy on this side, this guy on that side. Whoever leaves me alone, because I, I think private business does better than all government. 100%. And I think us as people can do better than government. That's kind of the, the small portion of it. <laughs> gotcha. So I, I started to, because I'm not a gun guy, I'm not anti-gun. I'm just not so dialed in on, to, on the 2A stuff. 
So I started seeing parallels with mm-hmm. applications. Well, this is illegal. This is illegal. Like, like theoretically, in the gun world, there is a way of grabbing a, a part, all parts that are legal to buy, but you can't put them together. Yeah. So in the tuning world, there's, there's that too. There's parts that you can buy legally. Don't you dare bolt it onto the car. Yep. And I'm like, well, so who makes that rule? And then you don't know what where you don't know where the goal you know you don't know where the goalpost is. You don't know where the rules are. So you're flying blind all the time, and, and you're on, walking on eggshells. Like right now. If a customer tells me, hey, I got a check engine light for uh, missing cats, I'm like, cool. <laughs> okay, you turn him off? No. And don't, he's, don't send this email again. Right. And, and, then, and then he's like, and then I love the, the, the verbiage. It, it's like, it's 2023. You should know the EPA is watching everyone. He's like, I deleted my cats off my car. Mm. Can you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you EPA agent. Yeah, I see that's a tough doing. one. <laughs> I'm out here in California. I just deleted my cats. Can you help me? <laughs> I got state ref. What can you do? And I'm like, I guess that's a way of them getting, going to a, a, a place to get checked out, like an, a post-car inspection. And if it fails because of missing cats or whatever, then you, you get your car taken away. And I'm like, I can't help you yeah. as a tuning company. And I couldn't help you ever because, like you said, the, the, the OEMs allow us access to their tuning, to their vehicle. So up until 2023, you can just plug in. Mm-hmm. People like HP tuners and SCT would index the tune. Oh, there it is. Some were better than others, and some indexed more than others, and some were able to see things that weren't indexed. And those are the good tuners. The better tuners mm-hmm. have more access. That, that's basically it. Whoever has access is the best tuner. So that stops in 2024. So then we're like, okay, now what? I, I, don't, I can't recommend a Ford vehicle or a new Dodge or a new anything because I, as a tuner, can't touch it. Yeah. So I, I tell people, theoretically, if you want to build an eight-second car now, you buy a 2020 and under Mustang. And they're like, but I want the new stuff. I'm like, talk to Ford about that. Well, that's kind of what hurts me a little bit, too, is I always see the car guys will find a way. And it's like, well, you're going up against a big company to hope that you find a way. You're just going to like let things happen to assume that down the road somebody will find a way so that you can put a turbo on your car? You think somebody cares that much? You think somebody that's smart enough to unlock these tunes and <laughs> write code cares about a turbo on a car that much? No, they're, they're in NASA. They're doing they're, something they're, they're, better. Exactly. They're working for Twitter. They're doing something. But maybe that guy has the passion behind it because you have met guys yeah, that are... for him. For him, right. But then you think he would go, I've cracked the code and now I'm selling this commercially. Yeah. No. Are they going to go, wait, you hacked... You know, uh, exactly. encrypted software. You're going to jail. And, and or is it already a crime to to hack encrypt? Because I know, like Tesla was pushing that. They were like, "Break into our software, try to do it, and we'll give you money." Right. They did that when they first started because they were trying to find the flaws. Gotcha. But it I don't, was. I don't. Okay, so this is where it becomes uh, not not slippery, but my end of things is not to crack code or crack the software. My end of things is to have commercially available software and manipulate that. So the people who are the commercial companies, I'm not going to name names, they're tasked to get a computer and decompile the binary or the the C file, the A, whatever. So, okay, if they can do it, but we can't adjust what they did, well, who, like, we can't tune, but but it's indexed and available. It's like saying, here's a carrot, don't bite it, even though you're hungry, don't bite it. But we got you a carrot. And if you dare bite it, 
you're the you're the idiot. Well, because once even CAN bus became popular, that really slowed people down. Because CAN bus is such a difficult thing to encrypt, and the whole car running off of CAN bus through one thing. And now the new cars have so much technology that mm -hmm. if you just like, okay, go buy a fuel tech standalone. Guess what's not going to work? Everything. Everything your else. Your windows, your, your cruise control, <laughs> gone. And that's what people would the say. The rear diffs are electric now. <laughs> yes. Like, you're going to have real problems. Your brakes? Don't Corvettes have, like, brake-by-wire, the c 8 I think so. So imagine you buy a C8 Corvette, and you're like, I'm just going to shove Holly in it. Okay, cool. Then nothing works. Yeah. None of your traction settings, your wipers, nothing. But the thing goes in 870. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I just gave up a whole car for an ET. And and that's where you go. Now I have to put a cage in it. And, <laughs> yeah, and ruin it. <laughs> so that's that's what I tell people. I'm like, okay, yes, you can tune it, but can you? We are adults. We don't want to sit. Okay, you don't drive this every day, right? No. Would you want to drive this every day? No. Right. It's this is a race car, and you want to maybe once in a while, you know, drive it to get ice cream. But I want a car that's refined and hauls ass. Mm. And it's almost to the point where you're like, do I buy a Plaid, or yeah. do I get a V3? And hook it up the way I, I want. So I call bullshit on all my friends that are always like, I drive my race car all the time. I'm no. like, I call bullshit on them all the time. I'm like, you either don't enjoy it and are pretending you enjoy it, or you're just a psycho. There is no way you drive a car that has a cage like that where you feel a pothole, you smash your head on mm -hmm. the roll cage. I have a Fox body. It's a cool car for a block. It's cool. And then it sucks after that. And then yep. you get in a... Like, that white car was a pleasure to drive here. It makes good power. I'm like, I am happy. Mm -hmm. So imagine you want to do that to, a, you're, say, a Corvette guy. Camaros are done. But let's say you're a, yeah, a Corvette guy or anything modern muscle car related. You can't do anything with it. You have to be stuck and happy with what the OEM gives you. Yeah. And that's all because of the EPA. It doesn't let people like me manipulate the software that, like, I, if it's indexed, <laughs> I should be able to manipulate it. If it's not indexable... I understand. We're almost being pushed back into a uh, stance car era because what you can do here is you can do a dress-up kit for your engine. Yes. You can do wheels and tires, and you know you can get like a red brake caliper. Those are those are how you buy your new car and then set yourself apart. And I think that's what the aftermarket companies are doing. Like you're starting to see a lot of people just get dress-up kits, wheels. They go heavy on the body stuff, mm -hmm. um, and uh, American Muscle, which is um, a Ford parts house they did i think something really smart they merged with a company that does old school stuff and they're like well you're you've known us for the modern stuff now buy a chevelle krager ss's yeah and i'm like okay i guess i want that <laughs> you know <laughs> you want you want some uh radial tas i'm like yeah i want that so i think old is going to be new or old is going to be desirable again if if the new stuff can't get tuned at all because who wants a Cold air. Actually, that's the other thing. I think the new Mustang, the fact that it has two cold airs, is similar to what a DPF is on a modern diesel. That if you were to manipulate them at all, mm -hmm. and it has an extra sensor in there, it goes, no, not working. And I think modern cars will become undrivable because you've changed the tune, the calibration, or a hard part like a diesel does, like a diesel is. Yeah. So, so we have a, a theory in, in, in Lund Racing that are like, eh, that's a, that's a nice anti-tampering device. Well, it's very easy for the people that design this software to put back doors that won't be noticed right away, but the second you change anything, the ECU will pick up on it. The ECUs right. are so smart now. You're not just dealing with like 
you know, two tables of right, changing right. your air fuel like Spark air 10 fuel. years ago. <laughs> They're so smart that they know every sensor. They test every sensor when you turn them on in these new cars. Well, like, have you heard that the new OEMs are doing a thing? They have over-the-air updates, and it will literally revert itself back to stock if it senses a change in the calibration ID. Yeah, I've already heard people like, oh, I'll just put it in a Faraday box in my garage, like, you know, a lead box, oh. <laughs> so that it doesn't get anything out. ECU or like? The whole car. <laughs> <laughs> you just drive into a lead container But, but, but at when your you house. drive it, it's communicating <laughs> yeah. all the time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the end-all, be-all fixes. Uh, I think, I'm going to be honest with you, I think, uh, and I hate to say it, I'm a proponent of the electric car stuff, but not the mandate. Never. Yeah. I, I love the technology. I love getting 300 miles of charge if I was to get that. But don't make me get it. Mm-hmm. Give it to me as an option. Unfortunately, I think that's going to be the norm until they start going, crap, technology hasn't caught up to the demand of the lithium, the cobalt, the nickel, all that yep. stuff. Unless you do like a salt-based uh, solid-state battery or something like that. So, If you go to buy a car and the government has to pick up port- part of the bill... Because it's too expensive to make, it's a bad product. It's a bad product. I can go start making T-shirts, and if I make them for $100, the government's not going to pick up the other $80 $80 so that the consumer gets it for a good deal. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Right, right, right. You're going to be like, that's a bad product if he can't make it for cheap enough for every day. So you're saying if you have to be coerced into buying it, it is not good for you. Have you ever had to return a forgotten bag of adult play toys to a pair of sweet old grandparents? Or have you spent your summer cleaning up protein spills at an amusement park? How about going to work every day in a flea-infested casino? Hopefully you haven't, but our guests have. Welcome to the Insiders Podcast. Each episode, we bring you an explicit account from a hotel and hospitality industry insider. To listen to these stories and more, go to theinsiders.com to subscribe. That's the Insiders, I-N-N-S-I-D-E-R-S.com. Yes. If somebody needs to really convince me by also paying for most of it, it's the same with solar panels. If, if I wanted to put them on my house, they're like, oh, the, you know, you're going to get paid $10,000 into a $15,000 set of solar panels. I'm like, well, they must not work that good then. And I love how the people go, well, you know, my last week's electric bill is $2. And I'm like... <laughs> You know, like the go- I paid for that. You're welcome, by the way, yeah. taxpayer. You know, no problem. And I don't think they see that. They just see their um, how it affects them directly. Mm-hmm. And I and I understand that. You know, because if I don't, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And unfortunately, a lot of shops are like that with the EPA stuff. Uh, it's not happening to me, so yeah. they must have done something wrong. And we're like, no, like we don't even know what we got popped for. I have no idea. But the other thing is like. That shop that just watched his buddy up the street get popped for EPA violations. You can go ask the person that's in the fight, like, hey, what do I do to help? And they'll probably tell you, I don't know. No, no. Even the person that's leading the charge, like, I, I don't know. Right. Because there is a whole mystery of that. Like, what do you do? It's almost like, and this is the funny thing is, so let's say I get popped by the EPA, right? Uh, you know, whatever tuning. And then I tell them, who do I need to go through to be able to do my job with your blessing? Mm-hmm. And they would say, oh, see, see me certified. <laughs> yeah. And I go, how about not? How about Is there I'm... another option? <laughs> <laughs> well, what about CARB? And I'm like, no, because SEMA does the testing for CARB. And then all of a sudden, SEMA did their own thing. And then what about PRI? And then you're like, I have no one. So in the, in the mm-hmm. 2A stuff. 
who is your person, your, your main advocate to fight or says they are? And then is there anyone that's actually suing people and winning to you know, keep that right going? No, I mean, it definitely seems like the dominoes have been falling more than kind of being picked back up uh. in every aspect of things because there are more outspoken people on the it's dangerous side of things. Right. And, and the other problem I have with the EPA fight is so the people that aren't aware that's happening, I hate that they maybe inadvertently are shoving it in everyone's face that we're doing this. And I understand they're going to do what they're going to do, but sometimes this is serious. Like the EPA is literally putting people in jail, putting them out of business, fining them to death, or making themselves get lawyered up. Because you saw the video, Brent said the lawyer's fees are much more than the fine. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so then there's people, and, and again, I don't, I don't want to like sound like I'm accusing anyone of doing anything, but like um, if you're driving around, you know, and showing it in people's face and you have a big platform, like drag and drive events. I love drag and drive events. Yeah. I think they're awesome and I think they should always exist. But damn it, all the EPA has to do is turn on the freaking YouTube channel and go, oh, you have... You're driving through towns with 2,000 horsepower cars. And I, I, I hate it because I, I used to watch Drag Week yeah. all the time. And now it's taken away from the fun because I'm like... <sighs> it's so tough. It's such a tough scenario because it's like, do you, you know, close your shop door and hide from the EPA? Or do you go out there and live your life right. and you know, hope that... Because part of me thinks an accelerate is almost good for things like if you keep kicking okay. the can down the road you're just kind of like Delaying. making the prop yeah right. i almost think like just fuel the fire let it happen right and like see where see where the cards yeah, let, fall let the cards fall let it all fall like i agree with that just throw the throw the bucket of <laughs> throw the can in a yeah, fire and go, exactly there's the fire now what are we gonna do about exactly. it exactly just let it all accelerate as quickly as it can instead of let things just get chipped away at i'm down for that but then then what? Like, like I'm down for like um, just not kicking the can, but let you know, putting uh, fuel on the fire. But then all what? the cards out on the table. So then, so then, then you'll see who's who's about what. Like, mm-hmm. like you'll be like, all right, who's down for this? Like, we're 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 because you can try to defend or, or educate as much as you can till your face is blue, but no one will understand it unless it hits them on a personal level. Yeah, and you're like, all right, well, everyone got hit. Everyone's, everyone's guilty. What are we going to do about it? And then, so once they hit the big guy on the personal level, and then they've already hit all the little guys, then the big guy's like, hey, guys, I need help now. Oh, where were you? Exactly. <laughs> That's my other worry. I'm like, I'm like, okay, so like all these people fall, and then there's a couple big companies and people left, and then they ask for help once it's, their, once it's in their back door. Cause what would Cooper do? If, if you were the little guy that got hit... And two big guys are still existing. <clears throat> Doing the na- same thing that you just got in trouble and for. And now facing extinction, Cooper does what? Yeah, I just paid all these fines. My car's gone. Right. You know. Your life is the over. The government you're now, kicked my dog. You're working for the, DP- <laughs> you're working for the DPW. You're not, nothing against that. But I'm just saying you're not yeah. doing what your passion is. What do you do when those people ask for help? That's the tough part because you've, you've inadvertently potentially burned a bridge. Right without doing anything silence kind of burns the bridge. silence is violence yeah <laughs> i mean kind of yeah you you can definitely burn the bridge by not speaking up so you just give them the double birds and go hey bro like, huh? I'm, I'm i'm done so now you face those yeah issues. exactly like what are you going to help save 
other people's house while yours just burned down? That is interesting. While your house is burning, would you help someone else's? Yeah. In the, in, in the beginning of the stages of the fire. Yeah, was the uh, put your mask on before you help others? <laughs> <laughs> the airline oh, yeah, the exactly. Airline it's one. like, get up, put your mask on. Put your mask like, on okay. first and then help others. No, the, the breathing mask. Oh, you got to oh. put your breathing mask on before you I help others. One, I found that one to be funny. So like when you're on an airplane, they say, make sure you have oxygen before you help. I'm like, exactly. Oh no, we didn't. Mm, what if you have then a Then you help your kids. What if you have a baby? Right, exactly. Then you help your baby. <laughs> Well, I want to live first in the baby. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh shit, they told me to put it on. First. Yeah, it's a similar. It's the similar things of like you gotta if if you couldn't help yourself and nobody else helped you. I mean, you you look at people like um, was it the guy that uh, Killdozer? Killdozer's uh, a great he's example. My, my hero. That guy is my hero. I literally I I, I celebrate Killdozer Day. Yep. I, I wear his shirts. Niemeyer. An honest man who was pushed. To his breaking point. He just wanted to weld some mufflers in his little shop. And then yeah. these guys are like, no, you got to put sewer. And then he just said, all right, I'm going to buy a, a D355, I think it was, or something like that. Yeah. He just bulldozed the whole town. And I'm like, a man and a welder. <laughs> and he didn't want to actually hurt anyone either. He just wanted to ruin businesses. Right. He's like, I'm going to do chefs. It was an eye city. for an eye. <laughs> right. And it was, and you know what? And everyone that's a blue collar guy or, or, or was ever slighted by government understood that guy's, that mm -hmm. guy's cause. And we look at it as... You know, that's almost like, it's almost like that's what it takes. But then, you know, you're some kind of, they, they label you something and then you're just like a nuisance. But people want to label that guy crazy. Anyone can get driven to that point that is reasonable. And yeah. he seemed like a reasonable guy. That's what everybody said about him. They were like, he was the most reasonable, helpful guy, honest, nice guy. And then they ruined his business. They wouldn't help him. And he went and mowed down half the town so i wonder i hope it never gets to that because I, i've always talked about that with with the lums and, and other people i'm like do we need a martyr and, and i'm not saying someone physically get hurt i'm just saying someone that is because okay i don't know anyone that okay i do i'm sorry i do know someone that was absolutely put out of business ruined but he gets back on his feet quick because he's very smart and he's yeah. able to live but i don't know anybody that was absolutely decimated. We know Corey is fighting the fight with the diesel stuff, yep. um, but he has the ability to fight the fight. Other people don't. Yeah, and he's a good example of a smart guy. He has other businesses, other avenues for making money. And, right. But some people that like, I just know cars. I just wrench on cars. That's it. Like, this is all I know. You Imagine know? you're a mom and pop shop, and all you, let's say you, you install exhausts, and let's say they're all legal. You have high flow cats, you have every approved part on the planet. Well, according to the EPA, you can't tune on that car to communicate with those parts. Oh, well, so, so now we're, we're done. Every mom and pop shop that modifies a car in any little way and wants to tune it, they're done. Mm -hmm. Potentially. Yeah. <clears throat> and it blows my mind that that, that that even happens anymore. That some entity above you could step in and tell you what you're doing is fundamentally wrong for... I, I was going to say the environment. We haven't even touched on oh. that whole side of things yet because that, that really makes me seem like a crazy person, unfortunately, once I... The more you... the more and I love going into it, but not, I'm not too red-pilled on it. I just know that based on... Depending on who is funding your research, your, your, your data can be skewed. So all you have to do is look at who is funding what and is putting out what data, and you go, oh, yeah. then screw you. I don't care what you say. Well, like, the first, like, <clears throat> thing you learn in, like, a statistics class is, like, you can manipulate statistics to fit your narrative. Right. You really can. Like, I heard a great example, like, 
you know, terrorist attacks in the U.S. have been a huge low, and then you look at 2001 to 2023. <laughs> right, right. Only, you know, 50 people died. Right. And you're like, well, what happened right before right that? Before that? Right, yeah. Right, right, right. And, and then, then not just that, um, yeah, we can go on the gun violence, gun violence, yeah. people violence. It's not gun violence. Yeah, when they're like, oh, <laughs> kids, and they're like, well, kids are ages 1 to 19. <laughs> That's not a kid anymore. Right, that's a that's a grown ass man. Yeah, you know? that's so, a, an adult. Yeah, exactly. So it, it is funny that the data that they put out there, and that's what they rely on to enforce. For example, the U.S. could stop producing emissions now. China's not going to stop. India's mm-hmm. not going to stop. Russia, Malaysia, all these emerging, you know, uh, developing com- yeah. countries are not going to starve. They're like, oh, well, you got to eat bugs and like fake tomatoes, and then you know synthetic meat and they're like no we're gonna eat cows we're gonna we're gonna you know get cold burn it get get up to a certain point like where we are now where we're not all of a sudden going yeah we're you know we're emitting too much i'm like no 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 but we could stop and we're not going to affect the earth mm-hmm. in a huge amount but some people might argue that they go oh yeah we're like the we would, we would affect it like 30 percent and then you hear on twitter or something that global cooling is now happening again and i go that when i was a kid in grade school, uh, like 19, I'm old. So like uh, when I was in sixth grade, I remember the next ice age. I was like, oh, oh my dad, did yeah. you know that we're going to stop crazy. Man, next ice age? And then all of a sudden, global warming. And I was like, um, okay. And then back to global cooling. And I'm 45 years old. So I've seen mm-hmm. three trends reverse on themselves just in that, in that span. Are you a car enthusiast looking for an exciting new podcast to listen to? Check out the Test Drive podcast hosted by Lebo Den. This podcast is packed with discussions about some of the most iconic vehicles in automotive history and inside knowledge from behind the scenes. From the Mustang to the Camaro, we cover it all. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Listen to Test Drive on your favorite podcast app today. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of um, a lot of scare tactics. And funny enough, I grew up on Long Island, and it was built by an iceberg in the Ice Age. <laughs> the whole thing was like, oh, it pushed all this dirt here and made this island. I was like, oh, cool. Ice Age, Ice Ages are great. Like, this is the island I live on. Are you hardcore to conspiracy theories? I mean, I I enjoy them all. I I don't commit to anything. Right, right, right. Any one idea, I won't commit to. But I do enjoy them. You brought up icebergs and ice ages and so, so did I. Um, the fact that like, I don't know, either 18,000 or 180, I forget, there's, there's an one eight in there. There was like a rapid heating of the planet and we were in the middle of an ice age mm-hmm. and the rapid heating of a planet, they, they suspect might, might've been caused by a comet or and, yeah, and like then, a solar blip. And then it took kind. out like a very highly advanced civilization that we, you know, we were. Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of said, well, let's say we stop all this you know, emitting stuff. We're all driving electric cars. We're all, we all have like microchips in our head. Three volcanoes erupt. <laughs> you know, the solar flare decides mm-hmm. to, uh, the sun decides to fart one day and we're gone. So I'm just like, why are we doing all this? And then money is always involved. If you pay a fine, you can operate. Oh, so, so earth goes, oh no, he's good. He paid a fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, even like everybody's always like, well, China's emitting and India. And it's like, okay, so like you're going to punish them for being 30 years behind us? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was us 30 years ago. Right. Doing the same thing, and now they're the problem. Like, 
Like, it, it, hey, it, speed up. Right. <laughs> and, and that's, as a tuner, um, you, you can't have logic. Like, you, you cannot have logic. You have to just put yourself in front of a computer and just smash tunes. Because the moment you start thinking about that, it, it gets in your head. It affects your work. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you can get salty that this guy didn't get hit, but we did, or this guy or that guy. But at the end of the day, you just, in my opinion, just got to worry about yourself. But like you said, I think there has to be one major event for everyone to come together on this. Yeah. But even then, it'll, I think, be like chippy as hell. Because... No, because there's <laughs> been major events in other instances, in other, like, 2A stuff, mm-hmm. that hasn't really triggered anything but negative. Right. Even if it's what you think is supposed to be helpful, like, you know, somebody breaks into a place and stop by a Good Samaritan, like, you think those are the things that'll help, but they just disappear. Yeah, and, and I don't know, because I'm not privy to all that, I, I know there's um, lobbies and uh, com- you know, uh, entities that, that say they're defending you, but there's money involved, and it just gets super ridiculous. And, and sometimes I just want to go racing. Like, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you, I just want to go racing and be left alone, but even that's become, like, even going to the track, like, the physical activity of going to the track and trying to race to forget about things has become problematic because yeah. of everything that's happening. Like, like when you get in this car, are you happy and you forget yeah, about everything? I don't everything? think about the EPA. You don't think about the EPA? <laughs> no, they're You're not in the middle all of a burnout, mind. bam, bam, and like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. When I get on that button, I'm not thinking about, you know, <laughs> whoever I'm voting for this season. <laughs> How did this come about? I know, I know that, I know you, you and Garrett used to, you know, collaborate and stuff like that, but I don't remember the Y2J and why in a Camaro. So I built the Camaro with an LS and it went like a 960. Mm-hmm. And it had like a stock bottom end LS in it and it was just like junk. It sounded terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was an LS. Right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Careful. <laughs> careful. <laughs> it, was, it was an LS and I was like, okay, so like a fully built LS is going to cost me X amount $400. Yeah. $400. For a fully built one. A fully built junkyard LS goes seventh for mm-hmm. $400. And then I have, <laughs> I, I have a really close relationship with Victor at Induction Performance. Okay. And I already owned a 2J. I already had a built 2J that was sitting there with like a 60-millimeter turbo. I was going to build another car. And then I had this car that was like 9-inch cage and all this good stuff. And I was like, you know, why spend all the money on a built LS when I already have a built 2J? So we put that in. It was built for like 1,000 horsepower, 900 horsepower. Okay. Put an 88-millimeter, 80 three millimeter turbo on it and made 1500 and ran that for two years oh wow without opening it wow two years so it just kind of worked out and it just was a good relationship with me and induction and i get to make fun of the supra owners for buying an eighty thousand dollar car and then ruining it with a thousand dollar car you're and right, ruined you're right, it. You're right. <laughs> it is funny because uh the thing just seems to work and it sounds you know gnarly and you're like mm-hmm. what the hell's going on in there then you figure it out and you're like oh okay like you respect that. Do you get crap from 2J guys because you stuffed it in a, in a catfish? No, not at all. Really? Um, because most of the 2J guys are either in a Supra or like a 240 anyways. Okay. And then there's like a whole gang of Mustang 2J guys. I started to see that, especially at 2K, Texas 2K, yep. where I saw some notches with <clears throat> 2Js and they're moving. And there's I'm like, a local group that has like five of them and they're all like identical. <laughs> they're like a South Florida group of guys and they're okay. all identical cars basically. And they're like, oh, we just take parts off each other and like we can, you know, make sure one car makes it to the finals. Oh, and wow. It's, it's a pretty cool deal because they get to, um, they run with the uh, Treadwear, tread, Treadstone, Tread, yeah, I'm not. TRE. 
TRE, they, they make the intercoolers, I guess. Oh, okay. Down it might be Treadstone. Somewhere, yeah. But they, they are local with a bunch of 2J guys. And I actually race with mostly Mustang guys, yeah. ironically. Yeah, the Murillo and uh, yep. all those guys. Like, um, what the, a great example, like I, I always, Corey Grayley. Every time, you yep. know, the red car. Oh, yeah, yeah. Corey's a good dude. Great guy. Uh, every single time someone tells me or they ask me on the chats or whatever, what car would you build? I said, Corey Grayley's car. And they're like, why? I'm like, stock bottom man with studs, turbos, eights. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, if you want to go quicker, you get a notch. You get a Fox. You don't, you don't do it in an S550 unless you really hate money. Like, if you really yeah. hate money, build an S550 to go sevens. And it'll, you'll do it once. But then every other pass will be an 8.0, yeah. 8.1. Then you turn it up and you blow everything up. And then when you really start to make power, it does, loves to do dumb wheelies and it breaks everything on the way down. So Corey Grayley is one of those great examples that you go, if you want to build a car that just goes A to B and is minimal stuff for an S550, do that. Anything above and beyond that, get this or get a notch or get yep. a Fox because... Even the S195s or S197s. Yeah, yeah. S197s. S197s are a good chassis. They're just heavy. It's the modern Fox body. Yeah. That's what we tell people because um, they're what you put in, it says, okay, like it's not, it's, it's a dumb car, like, hey, mm -hmm. here's 5% on the math. And he goes, thanks for that 5%. Well, you do a 5% uh, on a uh, S550, he goes, well, it's eight. And you're like, oh, okay. So the Gen 1s are just vetted as hell. Um, most of those guys you run with have stock computers. And that's yep. where we shine. You know, cars that go 40s, 30s, and 20s, seven, you know, stock computer stuff. And you're like, okay, but we haven't really messed with standalone stuff because we haven't really had a need. And it's because of the Ford stuff is, is that powerful, you know, yeah. gen two and up gen well, one. When Lund can go six nineties on a stock, stock computer ECU. car yeah. is a little eye opening because there ain't no Chevy computer that you're trusting to do that. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. And, and, and we're in the OEM computer side of things. So I was blown away that people were surprised that the Coyotes can make that much power with a stock computer data. And I thought it was common knowledge, but it wasn't. And I understand because you live in a bubble sometimes. But once you can, like Corey's car is a stock computer car that runs eights and mm -hmm. makes probably 11 or 1200. And he's a big guy. He's not a little guy. Yeah. And you go, well, there, there it is. And then when Lund goes, well, we're just going to like go all the way with it. And I'm like, oh, you guys really hate money. And they're like, yeah, we hate money. But yeah. when you see a car go 200 miles an hour, 690s on a stock computer, and IRS, you go, I mean, they're, they're doing something right. Mm -hmm. It's a good little platform to work off of. Well, there's a lot of S550 race cars out there too now. Yeah. A lot of like chassis car mm -hmm. S550s. I don't know why, maybe the long wheelbase. Long wheelbase, really um, it's a great looking car. Aerodynamics play a big part. Mm -hmm. um, and for some reason, I think it all depends on the aftermarket. Like, what generation is this called? I'm sorry. That's a fourth. Okay, so fourth gen. Did the aftermarket really get after it with these cars in terms of yeah. suspension, nine-inch conversion, stuff like that? Well, you wise? also got to remember, from fourth gen to fifth gen in Camaros was like 10 years. You're right. right. There That's... was 10-year gap between cars. So it was like you kind of were sitting there sitting on your hands Did in a it way. all, right. You didn't really have the ability to just get into the next generation Camaro right away. Okay. Like it was like 2000 to 2008 or something. That they didn't build no the Camaro. Cars. Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it, so I think the aftermarket saw the potential in this S550, and they're like, like it started with axles and drive shaft, and then you're like, a stock rear end car with mm -hmm. axles and drive shaft runs seven? And they're like, yeah. And then everyone's like, well, let's just do that because we can do more with less. And I think a lot of people, I'll be honest with you, they like to show off a little because yeah. it's a nice car. It's pretty. Um, the problem with me and the S550, uh, 15 and up Mustang is it's been co-opted by the stands, starlight headliner, you know, terrible, the culture, the yeah. culture around that vehicle 
has changed. Uh, now, you, you're more like a race car. Well, maybe not. Maybe, I, I don't know. But I think you're more on the race end of things where I am more on the street end of things. And I'm telling you, it, like, I understand why Mustang owners get made fun yeah. of. I'm like, I totally get it. Because well, I do it too. You look at the Formula Drift side of things and guess who the yep. cool guys in FD are driving. Exactly. Guess what they're driving. Right, exactly. So, you know, you, you kind of go, ah, do I, like, have you ever owned a platform and the culture just eroded to crap and you're like, I'm getting rid of this. Because then you're lumped in yeah. with that type. I've never been in that situation. I mean, it may happen to, I have a CTSV, it may happen to that community, but. Two, or you have a two? CTSV Yeah, it's two? a V2. Right. It may happen to that community because they're starting <laughs> to get cheaper. And that's kind of what happens when cars get cheaper is right. like, they get easily attainable, then suddenly they're out there sliding in a intersection at midnight. And right. then all of a sudden people are getting hit by them. And, and you're like, ah. Uh, so yeah, you haven't been in that situation. The problem with me, I, I've got like S197s, like the, the ones you race with, those have always been racy and they've never become mm -hmm. ricey. Um, S550s were ricey right off the bat. One, EcoBoost. They introduced a four-cylinder turbo yep. and the guys that came over from the... Uh, not to blame import guys 100%, but I kind of am, they got the EcoBoost. And then once they graduated to the GT, they brought that mindset and they stanced it and they, yeah. did it and they didn't want to go fast. And then for some reason, now you're, now you're seeing people go a completely weird route where they gut the car. Brand new car, 2023, gutted. No dash, no nothing. They'll put rear VMSs, uh, a Cobra Jet, E85 and, and, and do roll races. Just to go try to run like 10s? Well, not just that. They want to do a roll. The whole thing is 60 to 130. And I, I have a sneaking suspicion oh, that the draggy, the draggy yeah. has not ruined, but it took the track. Like mo people don't want to go to the track because they do yeah. draggy stuff. And I understand it, but I'm like... Yeah, there's draggy racing. I mean, I think during the pandemic... That's was, all you could do. <laughs> was drag Like there was people that were legitimately draggy racing like on a board like in different <laughs> states like like draggy is great it has helped a lot like mm -hmm. it is a great tool but definitely um like every great thing can be used by the people that probably don't use it correctly right and unfortunately that's what a lot of the modern racing community does and which is it's just fine it's just not my thing and i think you just maybe i'm getting old right maybe you go i used to just drag race with my friends and come back to the spot and just have a good time. Where now it's like people try to make you jump. People yeah. try to screw with you. People talk, talk crap on you online. And, and then you're like, I don't want to go to the meet. I can't just go to the meet and be mm -hmm. happy and race my buddies. It's always like some kind of weird issue. And it's the culture thing that's kind of eroded in my I, opinion. I never really street raced because it just, I didn't really care for roll racing. They didn't really do any dig racing, street racing around Florida, I right. feel like it's a very niche thing. It's like a Midwest thing. Yeah. People don't realize like it's like a North Carolina Midwest thing. Like we don't have like street dig spots. racing like Yeah, that. there's no dig spots here. And if there no. are, I don't know about them. I mean, I have no idea. There's like I've never been invited and I got a car like <laughs> Right. And you would it, think. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And I've seen some people and then you're a known guy, so they'd be like, "Hey, Coop, come on down and do like a cash days." And then like, yeah. "Where? Uh, you know, Tampa." <laughs> no. No, it's not happening. Exactly. <laughs> Like, I used to live by Gandhi in Tampa, which is a, like, it's the bridge, and that's where everybody used to street race. They would roll race there because as long as you weren't speeding by the time you were off the other side of the bridge. They were good? Because you, you can't really clock a speed on the bridge. Oh, you're right. Okay. They don't have anything in between? Like, does it have any kind of, like, it's not a toll bridge, not, is it? Not when I was there. Okay. You know, it was like, 
as long as you were going 50 by the other end, they, they don't care. you were safe. I'm sure it's different now, like everything, but. And when I lived in Texas for a little bit, I lived in Houston from like 14 to 15, every, from Wednesday to Sunday, you could find a big race at a spot somewhere. Yeah. You just go on Instagram and they, 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 they DM you a spot and you just sit there and watch. Not, not like quick, badass. Cars, guys you don't even know, guys that work off an oil rig for six months and yeah. they take that check and put it in the notch and then they just run. I'm like, man, wow, what a, what a world, you know? But here in Florida, it's totally different. You, you need to have like a 2,000 horsepower GTR to be like, mm -hmm. you know, King Daddy. And I recently got somewhat excited about seeing what Street Outlaws was doing. Yep. Where? Where's the somewhat come into play? I mean, <laughs> it's TV, so season two, we'll see what happens. Okay. You know? I haven't watched season one because I'm purposely kind of like, you know, I, I just know people on it. I guess that's the only reason I personally get excited about it because I know people that are. Do they get invited? Do, do they call them up and say, hey, man, you're badass, you're known, come by? I never told anybody, but I got a call. Oh. And I never. Is, I, it, is, it a, is it because of the amount of effort, work, time, money to I didn't have an engine at the time, and I was waiting on parts, and there was just not enough time to get my engine back in and then change the car, right. realistically. You have to like, put a bunch of weight in the back, yeah, like I, ply. I'm a radial tire racer right. on a track that you lose your shoes on. Yeah. I'm, not used to, <laughs> I'm not used to going down like a terrible road. Yeah, exactly. But then some of the local Mustang guys went out there and raced. And they, um, did they, I mean, you can't say what they, yeah, what they did. Yeah, it was Moretti that went out there okay. with his car. Gotcha. And I don't know how. And it was it, still single turbo? Because yeah. now it's twin, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they get invites and they get called and they, they go race. And, and then, you know, you, you watch them. But the problem is uh, with me watching that show is like, I don't, I don't like anything that's scripted. Like, that's why I like yeah. your podcast stuff. When I saw what you were doing, I'm like, I, I'd love to be on because it's like, He's like a bro. He's just normal. Completely unscripted, yeah. Right. And then so when you see, like, you know, anything that might look a little scripted, it's just a bit of a turnoff, you mm -hmm. know? And you're like, okay, but look, I, I hope the show does well, but it's just, I want real, like, real stuff. Yeah. The, the first episode really kind of lost me a little bit because it was all the original guys, but they all went out there and, like, the... This, like, oh, I don't care what happens if I spin or lose and, like, go home first round. I was like... They, they had, like, no... Desire to win. I was like, you, you got to at least like portray to the audience that you're trying to like bury the guy next to you. Like at least. Like... I think that's why when they were list racing on their first couple of seasons, it was so popular because yeah. the, the cars looked like a normal car ish. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow, these guys are fast, fast. Holy crap. And they care and they fight and like, all right, cool. But yeah, I guess it kind of lost its allure when they literally had pro mod looking bodies. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. And now I No Prep relate. King is huge. No Massive. Prep Kings. Have you been to one? I haven't. They had one at Bradenton, but apparently the line to get in was so insane. Man. Which is awesome. It I is. I love hearing that. If they can bring money in. Yeah, that's the thing. If they can bring money in and, um, but like. They're in Australia right now. Yeah. And I saw them putting cars in containers and I'm yeah. like, okay, so, so I can't relate to that right so it's unrelatable so i have to i have to like do this the street the low-end street stuff not that i'm a big time street racer but i like to mess around once in a while so when you go to a track i don't know i, I guess the whole like we were talking about epa and and how the culture around everything and let's be honest is there any money in racing at yeah. our level right it's only a net loss like all the time and maybe if you win you get you get your gas covered and your entry fee and you're like eventually I got to that point where I said, why am I doing this? Like, why am I, um, 
and I don't mean to like bum out the audience because you know every time I talk like this, people are like, oh man, you're right. I go, okay, so I build a seventy-five dollars to $100,000 car by the time it's all said and done. Then I enter a race and then I get beat by a car that has 300000 into it. Mm-hmm. And then you go, I have no shot. So okay, you hope there's a B division, C division and the money, the payout isn't as good. Yeah. So then you try to enter where you can and then eventually you just go, I wonder if it's just a money thing because I can't compete at that level. So what do you mm-hmm. do? You test and tune? What do you do? So you just kind of, I'm not making any money and you're stressing out your family life, your, your personal life. You just bummed out. Because when you win, you want to race more or at least when you're competitive. When, yeah. I, when, when TX2K first started um, or let's say three or four versions in, uh, 16, 17, 18, yep. I, I was in the B class at 940. And then I was supposed to race you in round two, but I think you broke um, in one, like maybe two years ago. I had my blue GT500. Yeah. And it was like an 8-1 car, 8-3 car. We were in the B class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a full second and a half slower. And yeah. now the B class is a 760 and under class. And I went, I, I just, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, because it's tough because in the B class, you're hoping for more rules. But then again, you don't want more rules because then it becomes class racing, which is like X275, Ultra Street, those kind of things where you have to spend $5,000 for, you know, a hundredth of a second off your time slip. <laughs> exactly. Every dollar, it gets more expensive as the rules get more and stuff and it gets less fun. So, it, and you're pushing your car to the limit every single every pass. Time. I don't want to push my car oh. to its maximum like limit you can't every blow single this up. pass. Can you afford to blow this car up three times a year? No. Right. Not at all. Right. Once a year, you're like, ugh. Jesus. Yeah. So these guys can afford or maybe are willing to uh, blow it up every pass. Yeah. And I'm like, I just can't do that. No, I'm not interested in blowing it up. I'd rather put it back on the trailer and go home with it running. Right. But, and, and that's, and that's like, I understand if you have a business, like if you're a YouTuber, which I don't know any YouTuber that races only and makes a lot of money. No, they usually couple it with something else. If you're a YouTuber or a engine builder or, or, or a chassis guy, I understand you racing to mm-hmm. show what you can do and you make money off the customers when they come to you. But if you're just a guy that works as a welder or construction or whatever and you want to have a passion for racing, it's very difficult to stay in it when these cars are so fast and you're in there. You almost, almost want to build a bracket 1050 car yeah. and have a bunch of fun. Just but, go index racing it. Yeah, but then you're like, oh, it's index racing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in the our mental capacity as car guys, we need to progress at some, in some Always. way. Right. And if you put a ceiling on yourself, you're kind of going to stifle all of your desire to push. Like, I'm sure there was a point with this car that you went 8 and you're like, when am I going to get that seven-second pass? And then when it happened, you were like ecstatic. Mm-hmm. I could go home, whatever. And then the next time you went out and went 8 you're like, what's wrong with this car? Exactly. <laughs> And now, like, I have a pretty good butt dyno on it when it's, like, at 300 feet. I kind of know what the pass is like, going to oh, do. this is 770. Yep, and then I'll just get out of it because right. I'm like, why, why rag it what, out? What else is happening <laughs> past 600 feet that I'm going to be excited about? But then, right, let's say. Stopping? Right. Am I looking forward to stopping? <laughs> the parachute. So let's say, based on that, let's say you're winning a race at TX2K or FL2K. Bam, you're out, and you're like, I'm not going to rag my, sh- my stuff out. Let off. And then you come back, and what are you sandbagging, man? 
Well, yeah. you trying to get in the B class or the A class? What's wrong with you? Well, it happened to me at FL2K. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this was a really bad one. I'll, I'll point, I'll throw myself under the bus for this. So okay. I was out on this 240 and I dumped the chute at like, 800 feet. They <gasps> thought they thought I broke and I dumped the chute on accident. Damn. He started to come back on me. So <laughs> back on the gas. <laughs> so like another 200 feet, I, I got back you on it. You literally disrespected this man for like 400 feet. I didn't even mean to. I just didn't want to break out. And I was within a, like a hundredth of a second of breaking out. Wow. And... I didn't want to do that, but I was worried he was going to come back around me with my shootout. So what happened after? Did they? Did he come like, what the hell are you doing? No, he didn't say oh, anything. Oh, okay. Because I would think you're like ridiculously disrespecting the dude. Well, I, <laughs> you know, I nailed him on the tree. So like, it was his own fault. He lost his own race basically okay. at that point. Like, you can't really get on me when your tree was like, you know. Won something. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So maybe if it was closer, he might have said something, but... I don't know. I oh, just that's kinda... great. Because typically when the shoot kind of fails, it's like early on, not mid-run. And then mm -hmm. you pull it, and then you accelerate. And like, oh, the disrespect. Oh, my God, son. And I have nitrous on the car, so it lights the turbo instantly. Right, right, right. Like, it's 100% throttle switch, so it's like okay. right back onto it. And then... It's what, like a 75 shot or 150? Yeah, it's like, it's like a 70 shot. Okay. Nothing big. Uh, just to light the turbo Just up. to kind of imitate cubic inch, basically. Gotcha. <laughs> so basically, when you got on it, it was, it was very apparent that you yeah. got right back on it. Oh, yeah. It okay. was, you could hear it. And, and that's, that, therein lies the other problem with those kind of uh, A, B, C, D classes, where you and I both know there have been guys that run a 20, a 720, and they, they're, they're out there at 8.0, and then they give you, what, like a three-tenths window? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, it becomes bracket racing. Yeah. It literally becomes racket racing. And again, I'm not faulting them for that. They're smart for doing that. But eventually, as a fan, right, you're sitting there watching these guys pedal it all the way down the track. Bop, 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 bop. And you go. I know. That's, that's, a, that's a topic I actually try to talk about a lot with people is how do you get more butts in a seat? How do you make it more entertaining? <laughs> Part of it is, I think, knowing the drivers. Like when you watch football on TV, you know, people that are big fans know every player on the team. Yep on both teams and everything, but that's not the same in drag racing. Like, maybe you'll know me, maybe you'll know Garrett, maybe you don't know anybody and you're just kind of out there hoping for a good heads up race. But without any knowledge, it's like, you're not invested in that at all. I wonder if like LS Fest is that, where, you know, everyone's got their LS vehicle and everyone that is prominent in the LS world is there mm -hmm. and you go, oh, I want to see this guy run this, but then, is there proper pairing in the classes to make it like a, a V3, 4,200 pound yeah. cap? It's, it's blah, really blah, blah. tough. They have a lot of classes at their races because of that. Because of Mod Nats, Mod, Mod Motor National, we yep. have our own, you know. Uh, a lot of classes at that. Oh my God. Well, the funny thing is, right, there's a 6 already Unlimited. And people literally didn't show up because Lund Racing had their car there. A, what they deemed to be unfair vehicle. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I guess I see their point, but I don't at the same time. I'm like, okay, so, so we built a close to six second, six R80 car. Mm -hmm. Th that's what, it's a case at six R80, whatever. So people would go, well, I'm not gonna attend because they're there and it's not fair. They're a second and a half faster. Meanwhile, we didn't make a clean pass that whole weekend. They yeah. could have won with like a 790 car, but you know, people don't show up because they feel, it's almost like everyone wants to be guaranteed a win. And I'm like, you, 
then, then, then there's no reason to race at all because you're not guaranteed yeah. anything. You just want to be guaranteed your buyout back? <laughs> I don't know some people that join three or four classes just to get as much as possible, and they complain that their car should fit in this class because... Yep. And, you know, maybe that's why X275, you know, RVW, and, like, those big top-tier classes, I, I, I think they have something because it's, it's, the, it's so tight. Um, but the funny thing is like FL2K, TX2K, the A class always seems to be pretty tight by the end of the weekend. Yeah. It's like, psh, they're all there. Like, you know, we can't sandbag. He's a 70 car, yeah. 670. This is a 660 car. We, we got to get after it. And then there's a crazy experiment where it's almost naturally happened in stick shift. <clears throat> no rules. And they're all close. I love it. It's I insane it. that there's no rules. And yet they're so close. Even last year at TX2K, racing is racing. Bryant with the uh, black twin turbo Mustang. Yes, he has a <clears throat> won, yeah. won the unlimited class. Yes, and I just was because like, he made it to every round. And it was a seventy car or eighty car, seven eighty, seven ninety yeah. car. Yeah, nothing. I mean, it's fast. And but it wasn't a six second car. And then the year before, didn't a Subaru win it? Yeah, or <laughs> something like that. So that's what I love, and I, and I think that works out. Supposedly, um, there's a race coming up, lights out. Uh, there's going to be a stick shift shootout, like big yeah. money. Eighth mile Eighth. stick shift shootout. And I'm like, I'm going to that because I want to see all, and because it's big money, it should bring out the people. So yeah, to bring more butts in the seats and have more close racing, it, it, I think it has to be like super tight rules and then people aren't willing to build their car for that. Yeah. You know, they want to shove the biggest turbo, a glide, and people are like, no, you can't put a glide in it or you got to limit the turbo size. And then you, you all these people don't want to even join. They'd rather yeah. speed race and do other like stuff. It's like no lockup, converter, all That's that. That's a rule? It gets to be a rule in a lot of classes. No lockup 400. Cause, wow. Cause like How much a, of an advantage is it? Well, because it's a 15 $10,000 upgrade. True. So it almost comes down to just pricing people into the same group. Once you can... Well, that's difficult too. Yeah. Because if, if I build a GTR and you build a Fox, I, there's already a disparity there. So what, what do you limit? Like chassis? Well, yeah, you kind of do. I can tell you all... Um, like... Garrett's El Camino, mm -hmm. when he clicks the lockup, that's like a 20 mile an hour game it's like, on the back yeah, half. It's ridiculous, yeah. That's a big game. Mm -hmm. And you a can lot hear of classes, it. You can hear the car bear yeah. down, and even Brett LaSala's car, you hear it yep. bear down, and you're like, woof. And then you see the mile an hour, and you're like, <laughs> If I clicked a lockup in my car, the only thing you would see is the crank on the ground behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would just be like, see ya, <laughs> right I, out the when bottom. When I hear it bear down on a 3,000 horse car, I'm like, ooh, that is serious. Yeah. But obviously, you don't do that. Early, you do it way, way at the top. But on end. like a little Coyote aluminum block is, that's a lot of strain it's on a car. It's a lot of strain. That's why I'm blown away that. Big load. Like I'm blown away that a lot of people don't realize that most of the fast Coyotes, it's a stock block. Yeah. Like there is no, there is an aftermarket AccuFab block uh, and MMR builds a billet. Nobody runs that. And the people that do haven't like make, or there's one, there's a grudge guy. I'm sorry. There's a grudge guy. He has a billet everything. Yep. You don't know what he runs, but um, he... That thing is stupid, stupid. Like, you see it go, and you're like, that's faster than, like, RVW cars. <laughs> you're like, what the hell? And um, you don't really know it. But anyway, it's mostly a stock block, and I'm blown away that people like FFRE and stuff like that and TKM have figured out how to make a Coyote live at a stock block with that kind of power to it. But I well, didn't know a lot fast of forward is who built my engine. Oh. They built the 2Js for all of induction cars. I didn't know that. And it's funny, because I go in there. Every time I'm in there, it's like more and more Coyotes coming out. It's become, um, it's okay, the potential, now people are starting to see the potential, um, and it's like 11 years after it came out, and um, people are coyote swapping things that normally wouldn't, like you, it, Honda guys love it because it's 
two of their engines bolted together. Yeah. And they're like, we understand it. And I'm like, wow, that makes total sense. But they, they get to the point, they want to go nitro all the way. They're like, can we put nitro in it? And I'm like, no, not a stock coyote. And they're like, well, we want to put nitro in it and rev it to 10,000. And yeah. I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, revving right it now. to 10,000 is a uh, dangerous game to Luna's play. Luna's car has been 9,800. Ours has been like uh, 9,800. And it's like, it sounds like a, a weed eater. And it's, How often are you changing, like, timing chains at that point not, not often at all are you um usually checking them ma maintaining them because i know like the aftermarket ecu guys like jim and brett they have sensors on their timing chain correct. to know the stretch correct there's um the aftermarket the, uh, on the stock ecu you kind of don't yeah it just goes wing and like there it is it breaks when it breaks you have um an aftermarket company that makes like a double roller and the stock stuff has been 1200 1100 but then the aftermarket stuff you can go 1500 and up and it has like a double roller and they've been pretty damn stout it, it let's be honest it's all about the engine builder if the engine builder kind of yeah. puts it together properly the cams are everything's honed and everything's straight you can zing those suckers um 10,000 on a stock gen 2 ecu i think 10 or 11,000 with a patch um but typically we don't see many over 8100 81 8200 is like where they live normally yeah that's that's a lot of rpm it, it sounds nuts to have V8. a stock coyote like stock na coyotes with a cobra jet intake E85, I shipped them 8200 with a 10R80, and it literally sounds ridiculous. It's crazy that the 10R80 takes that. It does, and the funny thing is taking it with 1200 horse, but mm -hmm. you need clutches, someone like a midnight built trans like uh, Garrett has, that, that's, in my opinion, the best 10R80, like there's midnight and then yeah. there's everyone else. It's almost like Tesla and, and everyone else is doing EVs. Mm -hmm. I think it's midnight and everyone else is doing 10R80s. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about the midnight stuff, and then I was, Brett used to build all the 6R80 stuff for a long time. I don't yeah, know if he still, still does. does. Still yeah, does, still yeah. does. Corey Grayley's stuff is 6R80. Most mm -hmm. of the cars that were at uh, FL2K have Brett's transmissions. That makes sense. Yeah, I know that he always built, brought a bunch with him because that's where I park and I look, he'll like, open the bed of his truck and I'm like, oh, all right. 6R80 coming up. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's an interesting thing because I know a lot of people tried to retrofit the 6R80 like in a 2J. There was like a, a 2J car that had a Yeah, quick powerhouse six. racing is right. building. And once I saw the quick six, I go, that's not, it's going to burn up. And, and people said, why? I said, the only thing that can control a 6R80 properly is either stock OEM stuff or a Motec. And that's it. Yeah. Everything else, because if you look at the, the tune, it's so stupid. Like there's oncoming, offgoing, there's turbine speed, this, and they're, they're the there's like 80 tables. And you're like, how is a, how's a quick six with three notches going to make that work? And usually it doesn't. It burns I'm up sure the there's a good amount of drama in that world. Because even in the CTSV world, there's a lot of tuner drama on the six R or six L80s L is there? with like who does it good <laughs> oh. who who tunes them well <laughs> it, okay I didn't know there was like drama like drama drama like yeah oh yeah I mean there's always the tuner of the month <laughs> kind of thing where it's like you know all of a sudden he's better and then all of a sudden another guy's better okay okay so it's good to know that other platforms have similar stupid fights that that yeah. we do we we catch the flack because we are we tend to be the quickest of the stuff and people tend to go to us when they want to go like stupid stupid fast but look if you want to tune it and, and you run fast great my issue and my show is usually centered around anyone that talks shit online i go oh, oh don't don't mention us to sell your product say hey look i ran good here you go people say I'm better than Lund. And I'm like, dude, just stop that. Well, it's often the supporters of a company that will talk, do the talk, right. talking shit. Right. Like, you know, I got my cartoon by Lund, so now I'm out there 
telling everybody guy. else they're wrong right. and doing something stupid. And I'm like, shh. Like, yeah. like, go beat them and say, who, and they, when they say who you're to, you say Lung. And then yeah. go home. No, they, they go back to the meet and they pop off on everyone that isn't Lung tune. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Just say, you know, it ran good. See you later. Go take your winner circle photo. It, it's almost like, um, and again, I don't, I'm not in this world, but I see it. The clout chase. And, and, and you're like, look at me. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm not going to, okay. I, Alex, will not look at you more favorably if you're on TikTok or Instagram talking shit on other people because you're tuned by us. No, I would say, don't, don't do that. Just thank you. Win the race, go yeah. home. But that, that, that kind of like adult way of acting is gone. Like if you win a race, right? You're not going to get out of the car and put your hand on your crotch and go, yeah, take that, 240 guy, pull the shoot. You yeah. would never do that. No. You say, no. hey, man, nice race, and then yeah. hope that he's nice too. That's gone. I usually be like, badass car, I want to come take a look at it after. Because <laughs> right. I'm always trying to learn something when I'm going to the track. Have you ever faced that? Like, you, you're a known guy, and people, I'm sure, love would love to beat you because you're somebody. And let's say... Uh, they beat you, and then, you know, does he give you, like, static? Like, like yeah, screw you, YouTuber, cloud chasing MFR. <laughs> well, <laughs> so last year at TX2K, my wife actually is still mad about this. Oh, okay. That's a good girl. That's... She is still mad That's about this. <laughs> like, if you bring it up to her, she'll be pissed. So the guy we raced, I was, I was dead even with him, just, like, a little bit behind him. Hazards on me at the no at a hundred feet out the disrespect at a hundred feet out in a quarter mile race the man had the hazards on me dude uh, yeah she's west still coast mad guy? west coast guy right has um, to be a west it was coast a guy. texas love truck or something like that some he, love oh truck. yeah 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 so he put the do you think well he can do it inadvertently because you have to like no no the he did it and stuff. he did it so what did your okay you get back to the pits what does your wife say to you she was just angry just mad i was like he beat me like he he gets, he the, gets right. the right he gets the right that's what i said he gets the right like if i wanted to not have that happened i should have beat him i should have beat him that's very adult of you i'm getting out with a girl <laughs> I'm, I'm like i'm gonna bust his lights or something but i like that she's oh she was posting it. angry tiktoks <laughs> about it and stuff and like all this kind of stuff and i was just like i should have beat him you know, but I was runner up at that event. Like oh. that was, that was the finals. Oh, oh, that's fine. Why would he? <laughs> okay. So I grew up in a very heavily Puerto Rican neighborhood in Massachusetts. And that was the thing to do in the eighties and nineties. Like, like to, to show off. I'm blown away that it came back. I'm like, hazards. I'm like, when did hazards become a thing again? Like, mm -hmm. uh, like 10 years ago, I started seeing it again. And it's I'm definitely like, a street thing yeah. more than a track thing. I started... Mostly because I'm not thinking about my hazards on the track. Imagine, imagine your hazards in a, in a real inconvenient spot and you reach down to try to stunt. I was <laughs> impressed, honestly. I was like, shit, like, that's the last thing I'm thinking about at 150 feet on the track. Is... I guarantee a lot of people have the hazard set up somewhere super convenient just mm -hmm. for that reason. Like they have their, uh, what do you call it? The, um, I'm not a turbo guy. Um, you know, to have extra boost. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? The scramble. Yeah, you got your scramble. And they have button. the hazard. <laughs> right there. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, no, like, and the thing, Back to the culture thing. I think I'm a gentleman. A lot of people see me on the channel and they see me talking shit and flipping hats and dumb. I'm a gentleman in person. Um, obviously, I do that because I want to be entertaining. But if I beat you, good race. If you beat me, good race. The moment you start talking all this dumb shit, I'm just like, why? Yeah. What, like, 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 I don't know what you get out of it. Because if it gets to the point of being chippy, like physical, yeah, I don't want it to get there because it's, it's so stupid. It's a race. 
but it's almost like people are egging on mm-hmm. a reaction. Well, with me, I laugh because like, if you come and talk to me at a racetrack, it's going to be really hard for you to not like me okay. because I'm a very friendly person. I talk to everybody. I like, you can come talk to me probably two months later and I'll ask you about the car you told me about in passing Okay. just because that's the type of person I am. So it's really hard for me to imagine somebody like, oh, you know, Cooper did something weird. I'm like that, like, but imagine, you must not know me. <laughs> right. But imagine someone, right. Puts the hazards on you. Then replays the video on Instagram, TikTok, and every other social media. Makes memes with your face, like oh, you know, dr- like really goes out of their way to screw with you. You know, you're gonna eventually go. Uh, if I see you somewhere, we're gonna have a conversation. I don't know. No? I don't know. Ah, I just don't. Me, I don't man. have that really in me. I don't. I don't really care. Damn, like, how do you I get there? I completely let. I like. <laughs> I just let things go. Like I nothing. Oof. Nothing takes up space in my brain like that at all. You must have had a really good upbringing or something because, like, if you were able to just, like, you know, I came up from a rougher, I'm not saying you didn't have it rough, but I'm just saying, I don't know, to be able to just let it roll off your shoulder like that, I'm just like, boy, I don't know, you better parents, than I am. My parents growing up were both small business owners. My dad owned a roofing company, and, like, there would be people that owed him money, and he'd just be like, eh. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> like, yeah, like, he's like, I don't know, I gave him a $300 bill, like, a couple weeks ago, but, like... They must need the money so more than me. So your dad was kind of a calmer, let it, let it be type of dude? Calm until he wasn't. Yeah. All right. Okay. So do you feel... But I'm calm unless it's very required, <laughs> which is very rare. Like, I, you know, we don't live in a place where you're going to be fighting people all the time. We're not in like the 60s. Correct. <laughs> but right. Because you can't fight anymore. It's just like everyone's yeah. got a blick or whatever. So do you think... Does it accumulate? Is it like a like something that's like a accumulation that one day you're just losing? Like the remember the movie? Um, what's the movie where Mel not Mel Gibson? Uh, I don't think so, man. He just it's lost just... his mind. He just lost his mind one time, and like he was ordering a burger, and he just lost his. And I was like, that guy was calm most of his life, and one day he just loses it. Like <laughs> no, no man, it's so? just not. It's just not in me. Like I don't. I don't take anything like that. Like I don't. Wow. I, life's too short to care. Good for you because I'm gonna be honest with you. I I can't be like that, and it's not a choice. Like I don't want to be that that hothead. But it, it takes a, with age. I've you don't see me flipping out in person. But I remember, like I remember. Oh, you're mm-hmm. that guy 15 years ago that uh, gave me. You know, like I'm stupid like yeah. that, and I don't know how to get rid of that. But I'm glad that you're. <laughs> how old are you? You're not in your 30s yet, are you? 28. Oh, good for you. Yeah. No, you you're you're on the right track because. It's better to be that way than this way, but believe it or not, it fuels me sometimes because if you don't have anyone talking shit on you, then you really have no motivation. Oh, I mean, I have people talking shit on me all the time. Who talks shit on Cooper? It's the, I'm not saying... It's the internet. I put myself out there. Yeah. If I wasn't getting people talking shit on me, what's the point? But Okay, what shit? Like, what can they say about Cooper? Oh, I don't know. I mean, people are creative. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> because I get why they would make fun of me. I'm bald. I'm stupid. Whatever. But, like, you seem to be a likable Oh, like, guy. I, I lose a race or, like, you know, doesn't work on my own car enough. I don't tune it myself. Like, you Dude, know, all that stuff. 90% of the people don't tune it themselves. You know how difficult it is? Like, I, you know who tunes my GT500? Junior. I don't want to be yeah. thinking about tuning. I'm like, here. And he gives me a base file. And I'm like, all right, you know. But for me to do it from scratch... And worry about what mm-hmm. he already knows? No, let someone else do all that crap. Yeah, man, it just doesn't bother me. I think all the years of, because me and Garrett, when we first started working together, like we started in a, you know, two car garage, and I think I was like 21 at the time. Okay. So like I learned real quick. You get your shins kicked all the time. all the time on the internet. 
And if you're going to sleep with that stuff, it's not going to be a good time. Wow, well, you're, you're, you're an adult adult. That's good, good. I mean, because I, I go to sleep angry sometimes, and then I wake up angry, make my eggs angry, and I'm just like, Ugh. but you know, it, it doesn't manifest itself in a physical sense. I just think about it. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it does motivate me, I'll be honest. Like half of the, half of the times my, my show subjects are from like people that said something yeah. that I didn't like, and I just bah, go in on them. I will say, if in five, 10 years, you're like, wow, where did Cooper go? He's, he's gone? He's off in, in the mountains somewhere with his own chickens and a farm and stuff and off the grid completely. That is a very strong potential when I'm just done with society in a whole. Okay. Is that more likely than that, you losing it on society? That's completely likely. Really? Like, okay. Yeah, they're like, where is he? Like, I don't know, South America. Like, that's very likely end goal. What, if you don't mind me asking, because I'm fascinated by this mindset because I, I too want to be left alone, but you need to make money. So, you know, you kind of have to, see people unless you know uh, whatever but what what aspects of modern society make you go i just want to live on a mountain with my chickens and be left alone dude um i think it's mostly the the your opinion's wrong so i must hate you aspect you okay. i don't agree with your opinion so i must hate you right because if somebody has an opinion that i don't agree with i want to learn their opinion okay like i watched a two-hour documentary the other day on socialism. Okay. And it hurt every being in my body. But you watched of why it. it should be in America, and right. it hurt. But I had to watch it just, just to, to leave, know. Just to be educated and go, okay, I don't agree with any of that, but I'm well-versed in it now. Mm -hmm. Very good. So let's say it does get too crazy in this part of the neck of the woods. Where do you go? Where, where's the escape? Because um, you know Florida's like the last, even though some people say Texas, but I live there. You don't want to live there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one because it can't be too cold. Because if you want to oh, yeah, be off the grid, you got to at least be somewhere where you can grow food. Can't be Montana. It can't be Montana. <laughs> it can't really be Colorado. You only get a couple months out of the year. Yep. Uh, it's a little tough to get water in New Mexico and <laughs> Arizona. Right. Water supply is pretty key. Not lately, though. Lately, they're just like, Lately, there's a good amount. But it's illegal to collect it. You okay. know, you can't collect and store your own water in those states, which is weird. I didn't know that. Yeah, because it's In dry states? It's government controlled. Can't collect rainwater. It's from the sky. Nope. <laughs> nope. You can't collect rainwater. Government water, water man. comes from the sky. Oh, it's because it's, it's over not the yours. Land? It's not yours. Interesting. Chili's like that with their avocados. Yeah, well, because you're messing with where it's supposed to go. Oh. But, but don't dams do that? <laughs> Somebody smarter than us figured out the dam. That's that, why, you know, you trust the person smarter. That's what the. That's so shouldn't you arrest? What, what are the uh, what are the the, the the animals that build dams? Shouldn't you arrest them? Yeah, the them? beavers. <laughs> yep, get the beavers. Actually, if you bring beavers into your neck of the woods, mm -hmm. have them naturally make it up. You blame it on the beaver. So to where I would go, I guess, would just be more towards the center of the state, mm -hmm. in between the east coast and the west coast. There's a sanctuary kind of exactly abundant land, good people still. Yep. You know, the only neighborhood store is a Publix and a tractor supply. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot of that, especially when I drove down from Gainesville, um, FL2K, I kind of came down the center of the state. And mm -hmm. then the moment I went, hit 95, I went, ugh. But everything else looked pretty damn desirable, I'll be honest with yeah. you. But it's, it's almost becoming unaffordable with the amount of influx people coming in, which is another nice thing to talk about. Like Florida... The people that are moving into this part of this part, because we can talk about, I'd like to talk about the track stuff. The people that are moving into this part 
Where are they primarily from, do you think? Are they New Yorkers? Are they Michigan people? Are they Ohio people? Like, There's definitely a lot of New Yorkers, and ironically, I see a lot of, ta of license plates that say Ontario. Canadians? Mm -hmm. Interesting. So that do Which I have a whole bit about, you know, it's perfectly fine to tell a Canadian to go back to where they're from, but can't do it to anyone else, right? I don't think anybody would bat an eye if you were, like, yelling at the Canadians to go back to Canada. You're right. But, uh, so if you were to tell me, go back to where you're from, I would say Massachusetts. Like, I would go, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what you're trying to get there. Like, no, Puerto Rico. I'm like, I was never from Puerto Rico. Yeah. But I get that. I understand that uh, you can tell Canadians to go back. Nobody bats an from. eye. That is true. I, I never even thought of it that way. But I'm from, I'm from Long Island and specifically... I went to East Hampton High School. I'm from Montauk, so like... The Hampton area? Yes. Okay. I, like, the Hamptons, like, my high school was in East Hampton, like, the most wealthy wow. part of... So are you Italian? Baghetti? Yes. Okay. Italian uh, heritage, but, yeah, like, most wealthy area, and we were small business owners out there. We worked for the wealthy people, but... Okay. It was a weird area because 90% of the houses were just left empty all winter. Because they were down here. They were just down in Florida or, or in North the city Carolina or, or you know, that was just summer houses. So, like, it was an empty, empty area most of the Interesting. year. Interesting. So, um, you grew up in that. And then at what age did you move to Florida? 18. On your own? Yeah. What, what led to that decision? Um, I was just sick of New York. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> I turned 18 and I was like, high school was over. And I was, they were like, where are you going to go? And I'm like, oh, I can just, like. I just leave? Right. Like, it didn't really occur to me. I was like, I guess I'll just go to Tampa. Seemed good enough. And did you know people here? Did you have friends or anything? Uh, a couple people. Uh, not you, really too many. Did you couch many. surf for a little bit just to kind of until you figured it out? Or? Just came down here, um, went to a terrible college, got an apartment, and then just kind of lived. Okay. And then that's where I met Garrett and okay. started with 1320 and him. Gotcha. Okay, that's where that started. Because the first time I saw you was when I raced the Viper at FL2K Orlando. I was in the black truck against that guy with the Viper, the stick shift Viper. Oh, yeah, you yeah, You called him Anthony. Lieutenant Dan or Anthony something like Shun. that. Yeah, yep. and I was just like, oh, that's him, and or whatever, and I wasn't even supposed to be there. Um, I was, uh, Chris, who worked at VMP, was afraid to race the truck, and these guys were trying to set up a race, and I was in my house, chilling, and Chris called me, oh, yo, you gotta get up here, man. These guys wanna race the truck. I'm like, it's an automatic truck. Just, he goes, no, no, they wanna race a Viper, and I'm like, so I drove two hours like an idiot and mm -hmm. then uh, got together and that, that video did well or whatever. But I, I didn't, I asked Fred, I'm like, do you want me to like sauce it up? Or do you want me to be me? I'm pretty boring. He's like, yeah, do whatever. Just say talk shit in the truck. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I guess it worked out for the better. But people know VMP from that. And then I think uh, Garrett and them had a relationship because of that. And then the blower. So the, it ended up working out in the long run when you, when you think about it. But that's the first time I think I ever saw you. You were young, young. That was what the... Uh, yeah, I was probably... Seven years ago? I was, yeah, I must have been like 19, 20 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had no car upbringing at all. Like Zero. I was, I was not around cars at all. So what got you into up. cars? The whole 1320 connection and stuff? Just, I, I, I liked them growing up. Nobody else in my family, nobody else I knew. Nothing. Nobody had a hot rod growing no up? No one. Wow. So what do your parents and friends from... Long Island, think they about this stuff. No idea about it. They're just like, oh, it's, you know, what? he likes to do that racing stuff. Oh, you, like they don't see you on video and go, wow, that looks, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, they, they think it's impressive, but like I had absolutely <laughs> nobody really knows like the extent of like, you know, you can talk to a non car guy about like, oh, it went 170 miles an hour and like, 
kind of in one ear, out the they're other. Like, what's that mean? I'm like, in a quarter mile. That's really, yeah, really fast. Yeah, they're like, well, doesn't the Bugatti go? 2.30? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of like the extent of like talking to a non-car person because those numbers mean nothing. They don't mean anything unless you're in the sport. Yeah, like like uh, if you were to say I back half 40 mile an hour, they're like, I don't even know what the hell that means. Even, oh, I went seven second in the quarter mile. Like, doesn't mean anything. Like, we didn't have racetracks on Long Island. We didn't have drag strips. You didn't have Island Dragway? Not when I was there. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm old. Yeah. I'm dating myself. No, we didn't have it. Shoot. Yeah, They and then that closed for the same reasons that potentially this one's in, uh, the, the local one's in trouble with. Well, how do you think that's going to end up? Because that literally, in English Town, Jersey... Mm-hmm. Those two had the same issue. Um, people moved in with money, and they were like, it's too loud, and they had to close it down. Yeah, I think, I think we're five years from anything actually happening. Because okay. even if they approved it today, they broke ground, we're five years from a house being there. Okay. And then we're probably another four years of complaints, or three years of complaints, okay. before it shut down. So that's how I see it, at least. Nine years like, of racing before you hear anything. Yeah, because like even if, you know, even if the housing goes through, it takes so long. It took them two years just to make the roads and put in all the sewage and stuff like that. So I think that's what people don't realize. Like I think they think once it's approved by the board that the next day there's 17 houses up right up against the track. Yeah. No, no, it takes a while. But I wonder um, if there's a contingency, like a plan B, because look, uh, obviously it's successful and Vic and all the guys involved and the Freedom Factory, they, they have to think about 20, 30 years uh, if they want to like retire or whatever. So I wonder, like we were talking about the center of the state, if it becomes more of a viable thing, but you'd almost have to buy a hundred acres around it yeah. so that no one bothers you. Yeah, and you can't just trust that the farmland you buy around there is going to be farmland. Like, because there's farmland yeah. around them right now. Yep. There's Orange Grove in front of the Freedom Factory right now. And guess what? Its plan is to be gone. Really? Oh, yeah. They're going to rip that Orange Grove right out. And then by me, it's all owned by um, Florida Crystals. It's all sugar cane fields. Mm-hmm. And you can't really develop there because they have like a, a lease in perpetuity. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, okay. So that becomes, you can't build there. So what do you do? Yeah, it is interesting. I, I hope they can work it out. But like you said, you're at least five to nine years away before anything has to be done. Exactly. Okay. I, and even so, like, it would be cool if, you know, it takes a while to develop the whole community. Start at the other end. That Start putting houses at the other end. You know and them. They're going to be like, slowly. <laughs> yeah, put them by the track first and then work out. Like, put them on the other end and then maybe work your way out. But then people also don't realize it's like, oh, there's plenty of, room in florida like so much of it is swamp you yeah, can't you just build go it. build anywhere right have so you ever much of it is flown swamp. over florida like it's, it's like swamp it's it's all mostly swamp that's why there's one road basically that goes through the south of florida <laughs> it's alligator, <laughs> alligator alley. alley that's it and you know what? i didn't know anything about that road and then i had to go to uh, sarasota for like a friend's party and i'm like oh my god if i break down there's nothing there's water mm-hmm. and water there's no stops maybe you could you know here and there, but whatever. But it, it, I was blown away as to how wet Florida is, and people don't realize that until they get here. So, well, that was the whole thing with PBIR was because everything else around it was undevelopable. Yeah, undevelopable. <laughs> it was so tough that they were like, "Oh, we gotta buy this. Like, we this is the property we need because it's already zoned, it's already whatever cleared. Right. So that's why PBIR shut down, and now they're in. A, it's like it's like in limbo. It's yeah. like weird. It's like they, they sold it, but then it failed some kind of like 
environmental review, if I'm not mistaken, and then they are just kind of like up in limbo. And then they said, oh, it doesn't matter. Even if I bought the track, I couldn't open it. Yeah. I, I could because it's under their license or whatever, and I can't just like prop it up and then make a track out of it. Yeah, like at least tear it down. Don't just leave it there so we can all just like get teased by it. See it's the literally there it. with just two Jersey barriers and, the, and clean as hell yeah. with some grass growing in between. Well, one of the things that I worry about with tracks, futures, is I've heard soil sampling. I've heard rumbles of soil sampling. Yeah. And that's a scary thing because I don't, I don't, can't imagine you could go test brand new asphalt right now and it not right. fail a soil sample. It's mostly petroleum. Mostly. And the problem is that they'll use that. Like, imagine you're at Palm Beach International, or PBIR, um, and then you go over the berm and you test that pond water. <laughs> it's going to have yeah. C16, MS1. It's going to have everything in yep. it. Trans fluid in there. Right. <laughs> a couple of rods. Mm-hmm. And then you go uh, across the street and you have similar stuff, but not maybe as bad, but you have just as dirty as stuff. And then they'll say, oh, it's environmental study you failed because you're going to hurt the sandhill cranes shut up like just enough money makes you look the other way so if if uh, because walmart was supposed to buy that land if they had enough money and they wanted it they can over overlook all that stuff for the tax purposes because it's a big warehouse but now since the economy is doing this weird stuff i I think that walmart's not eager to build on there either because i mean i don't know how well you pay attention to that stuff but like amazon is letting people go they're yes, closing fulfillment microsoft centers microsoft just let a whole bunch of people go is it's... walmart really going to build a fulfillment center right now no or are they thinking maybe we'll just slow down on that well if you look at if you look at an overhead map of west palm beach and beeline it is like a virus with the homes they're slowly mm-hmm. making their way west so i think they thought well it's going to keep going west, and then the east is going to keep coming west. So we're going to be smack dab in the middle, and we'll build Walmarts and distribute. But I, I just think, depending on the downturn of the economy, they're like, maybe not now. Yeah, maybe we'll give it a couple of years. We'll put the land in a limbo thing, and they're probably not paying taxes on it. Why it's in limbo right. for some billionaire reason, billion-dollar company It reasons. is crazy how it just went into limbo, and, it, yep. and people, people kind of fought for it, but not really. Look, when it's run that bad... You're not going to fight for it. Yeah, they don't have the people to fight for it. I mean, OSW is also surrounded by, they're kind of in the same boat where things are. Kind of. I mean, when I went to OSW a few years ago, that road going there, there wasn't even like a gas station. Now there's racetrack (laughs) and there's all kinds of gas stations. There's hotels and stuff. So like once you see the infrastructure building up around there, you already kind of know time is ticking on that. Right. And then, and then like, Okay, so then what do you do? Like, like it's almost like you need to have a, what do you call it? A, 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 a DMZ, a demilitar, a dehomed zone. Yeah. Where you're like, no, this is good. And it has to be bought and paid for by the racer. But the problem is then you can't charge only $20 for a test and tune. You got to charge 60 Yeah. You got to charge 80 you know? The, the concept I had that I'm sure other people have thought about it is the only appropriate use of an NFT would be a racetrack NFT where thousands of people buy into it. They all own a small portion. Okay. One person is, because there's ways to have a discord. There's ways to vote on things. You vote one person in charge. Because you have a stake in it. Exactly. You own it. When it goes up in value, you sell it for more money. So it's an investment as well. Okay. And you could actually kind of squeeze by like that because 
racetracks are tough to be pop to be profitable. profitable. It but, is a tough situation. But do you think a guy that puts a four eight in a fox knows what an NFT is? They don't, but if you get enough people that do and make it popular because they were dealing with the fight with I mean Bandemir is fighting. Gainesville is in a good spot. Um there's a couple other tracks that are fighting. Uh, Kearney, Nebraska is fighting really? to stay open. Gosh. But some are just closing because the owners just can't make it profitable. Not all of them are closing because of homes coming homes in. Homes or right. of EPA stuff. Like, they're closing because... But do you think racing is dying in that format? I, I like to say no. And it's easy to say no because racetracks are huge right now. They're as popular as they've ever been, mm -hmm. if not more. But it really only takes 10 to 20 years for something to completely swing. Mm -hmm. You know, one generation, you're always one generation away from losing all your freedoms. Absolutely. Kind of thing. I remember growing up, and I, I, I'm sounding like one of those guys right now, but the tracks were packed. Everyone had a old Cuda, Chevelle, Camaro, or, or Fox, because it was like 94, 95. And it was, as far as I can see, cars. Nobody knew what the other guy had done. There wasn't, there wasn't this open mod kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you raced, and you found out who was the baddest, and you can sell your product or whatever. And then I started seeing in the mid-2000s, to mid 2000 to 2010, a big swing down, because Ford sucked. Well, and then the economy kind of... It, it did, yeah. but it's like... You, like, like COVID, right? COVID was funny because all car companies made money. If you sold parts mm -hmm. during COVID, everyone just stuck in the garage and worked on their car and went street racing or whatever. And they make big money. And you would think, okay, the economy took a downturn. No, it, it, in, in a whole it did, but our, our racing stuff thrived. And then now I could see like an ebb and flow of that because in the mid-2000s, tracks died almost. And then they're starting to come back. I think No Prep Kings helps because, you know, it's no prep, but it's out of track. And I, I kind of hate to say it, no prep is huge right now. Yeah. Like, it has been, but I actually have to watch no prep to get any racing action in. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, this guy's about to crash his $300,000 car. Cool. You know, I'll watch it, but well, I'm it's like... how much tractor action you want to watch. Tractors, tractors are a big killer in radial racing. Yep. Watching a tractor go up and down the track hurts. Well, Texas 2K did that for me last, last yeah. year. And I was like... It hurts. It did hurt because every time I plopped on flow racing... There's a tractor dragging. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is the Tractor Nationals. <laughs> I know. And I, I think about other events. Like, I, I have been looking at um, Monster Jam a lot. Okay. Whatever they're doing is, works, works insanely well. Yep. Everybody there is making a lot of money. Yeah. All the drivers are of, in cars that were all built the same by Monster Jam. Mm -hmm. And that event is thriving. They have, like, three a weekend in three different Get places. Out. Yes, they have multiple teams. Do you think they cater to a younger audience, though? Because of the, 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 you know, the, the builds or like, like cartoon characters, like wrestling used to be. Exactly, but why can't some of that get taken into drag racing to get people in the seats, to get money into actual racers' hands? Because if you put more people in the seats, those drivers get better sponsors. They get paid more. They won't. And it just rolls from there because, you know. So you're saying... There has to be like an ultimate warrior car and like a Kinda. Hulk Hogan car. And Kinda. Like a, that's not a bad idea. If it, if it <laughs> means that, you know, drivers can actually make money like NASCAR, you know, 9 million people watch the Daytona 500. Yeah. That's why they get sponsors like Home Depot. Yeah. 
Dude, I, I, I legit worked with a guy that only bought Home Depot stuff because, what's his name? Tony Stewart mm-hmm. drove the Home Depot car. He goes, I go, hey, I got to go to Lowe's. Get Screw Lowe's. I go, why? He goes, yeah. I go to Home Depot. And I'm like, why? He goes, Tony Stewart. And I was like, okay. Yeah. But it works. It all just comes down to eyes. And we could all afford to race if getting eyes on racing happened more. And I could go into what flow racing has kind of done to it visually and what live feeds and actual like feeds could help with racing, but you need to somehow make it more entertaining. When a tractor is happening, <laughs> that, that to me is, is mind blowing, that there are points in a live feed where there's a tractor going up and down the track and you're not watching an interview with somebody in the pits. Correct. Or, right. or there's not some entertainment thing happening somewhere. Right, some bikini model, like I don't know, throwing something. t-shirts up, something. Well, in the grudge world, don't they already have that? Don't they already have characters racing each yeah. other and it is big money, crazy people behind the, you know, like, aside from some of the racist names these cars have, which are hilarious to me, but they go out there and race. And, and it's like the character, like, you know, Kong versus, I yeah. don't know, this car. And the donk racing, uh, it's, a, it's a character thing yeah. and people watch it. But in our, I don't know, our, I don't know what, I don't know where we fall in that. Yeah, we kind of just guy. like, we kind of just fall in where we're like street strip-ish, you know, we're not top fuel racing where you get big sponsors. Yeah. We're not like, we're, we're under that significantly. Cause even Pro 275 and those guys don't get big sponsors no. because they don't get the eyes on it. Correct. And I don't know if NHRA is getting the eyes. I don't know what their numbers look like. I have not watched like. an NHRA race in forever. And the only reason I would watch this season coming up is they have a, a stick shift class uh, mm-hmm. coming up that's like a 690 class and a lot of people supposedly are into it so I'd probably watch that Factory X it's yeah. supposedly called I'd like to see factory style cars with like an actual challenger body with a stick going sixes I yep. think that'd be super cool but that would be awesome it to me it's just eyes eyes you can make a lot of money if you can just get eyes on something do you think a lot of people are hesitant to do it that way because of the EPA stuff? Like a lot of people are, they don't want to dip their toe in the water all in. Let's say they have a big cash reserve. Let's say they have a business that, that is thriving and they need a tax deduction. So yeah. let's, let's put $300,000 into our race program and we're going we're gonna to paint it green and cool and we're going we're gonna to do 13 events this year. And okay, yep. well, the EPA is cracking down. and uh, Yeah, we don't know if we want to do that. I, I mean, I get that because the EPA has already said, like, oh, we support NASCAR. Na- NASCAR. Which really, she really had a heavy hurt. Boston accent. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it, it hurt me because I'm like, okay, like, cool. Like, you support NASCAR. But, like, what is that, 20 drivers? 20 guys? Like, <laughs> What's that have to do with us? We yeah. support NASCAR. Like, uh, like, how does it help me? And the funny thing is, right, so, so they, back on the EPA stuff, the VIN number stuff is what blows my mind. We were talk, talking about the RPM Act. Mm-hmm. Tell me, if you don't mind, what some of the RPM Act does or falls short on that you go, what, why the hell do you oh, include that? I mean, it, it gives up, to make the analogy, it basically gives up the steak, the potatoes to keep the beans. Like, if you're going to have a dinner, it gives up all the good stuff. What doesn't it include in your mind? What, do, what, what, what doesn't the RPM Act include? To me, it doesn't include the guy that wants to drive his car on the street. I think if anything is giving an inch, it's... Let's take a foot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, if your proposal is to give up a bunch of stuff in hopes that 
they, they're happy with that, your right. proposal doesn't sit well with when me. When the RPM Act says, we are fighting for the ability for a guy that has a car with a VIN to mm -hmm. become a race car only. I'm like, what about the other 99% of people that want to put an air filter on their car? And they said, and then they go, well, we don't support that. Oh, okay. So then that keeps people like a header manufacturer in business because he can make it for a yeah. car that has a VIN. Yeah, but not everyone is solely going to keep it at a track. And I've always said there should be some kind of exemption to limited miles. You don't drive this 5,000 miles a year. I don't drive any of my cars 5,000 miles a year. So I'm like, why, what if there's like some kind of, but then the problem, then the 2A argument starts to come in, mm -hmm. you know, like, do you have to register somewhere? Do you have to like, yeah. hey, 5,001 miles, you know, you're, what do you do? Well, not a single one of my sponsors on my car care about other racers seeing their stickers. Because if the right. people in the stands that have their, that showed up parked in spectator lot with their street car, right. they don't care that, you know, this transmission brand makes race car transmissions. Right, right, right. That doesn't help them. That won't help any sponsor. Because like if you go to Cars and Coffee, let's say a good one, you can get a lot of eyes on this thing. And people go, who? Mm -hmm. This thing runs what? Who makes the trend? And you can, at least the sponsor gets advertising out there. But if you're yeah. at a racetrack where it's like advertising, I don't know, a boxing brand, two boxers only. Not, yeah. not anything. Or, or people that are already in that field, mm -hmm. you're advertising to them. No, you got to advertise to the layman that probably wants to see what's what. Yeah. Why do you think like Chase Bank sponsors stadiums? You know, because that's yeah, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to like actually get the people that will use it. Because if I have sponsors of only race car parts, and I'm my viewers are not race car owners, it's not helping any sponsor. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah, it's not helping a sponsor. Correct. Like I can't provide value to a sponsor if they can't sell parts to everyone. Correct. So the RPM Act falls short in that aspect. In my opinion, the streetcar guy, the the regular everyday Joe. And they, own, they, they say, well, you can make your car a race car only, but then therein lies eBay, yeah. PRI, and all those other people that'll say, you can't sell your tuner on our website. By the way, watch this guy shove a diesel motor in his Mustang. Mm -hmm. Well, eBay, I'm like, well, yeah, eBay already got in trouble. <laughs> right. So I'm eBay like, wait, in got... one breath, you can go, and again, I'm not trying to make fun of anyone. Uh, eBay's the target here. You say, I can't sell a SETX4. By the way, in the same commercial, you can promote a guy who does drag and drive events or has a car that's blowing black smoke out of the, out of the stack. So, and then C PRI, same thing. They'll go up to Brent and go, well, we support you, da, da, da. And then, by the way, look at this 2,000 horsepower Camaro go down the street. And I'm like, wait, you were, yeah. what? So I don't understand where, you're, you can't play both sides. And that's what's been happening. And, and, and that's where I just kind of like feel deflated I don't go to PRI. I don't care about PRI. I don't go to SEMA. I don't care about SEMA. A lot of people do. Fine. But they're not working for us. They're not, they're not working for the performance. Maybe they're working for like a guy that has a chassis car and races only and then comes back. Great. But the streetcar guy? No way. But even my car, as I understood it, you know, it has a VIN number. I would not be able to take that VIN number off and make it a race car only. Correct. I've... From my understanding, if it had a VIN number, it cannot be modified. Period. Yes. Yes. End of story. And the can't. motor that it came out of, or the motor that you're using, should not have been a production motor ever. I didn't go to SEMA this year. I didn't go to PRI this year. I, On I purpose? I will, mindfully, Good. yeah. Good. 
I did like that I saw the OEMs pull out of SEMA because I wasn't happy, you know, seeing somebody talk out of both sides of their mouth. It didn't exactly look good on mine. Like, you know, they were anti, like they're, you know, helping fight their own, I guess, like, let me reword that. I know so that Ford pulled out. Yeah, so. And I was happy to see that, but then they said it was because it wasn't worth it, or they worded it in such a weird way that was like, well, it wasn't really worth it to us. So by talking both sides of their mouth, like they don't support the aftermarket, but they're going to an aftermarket venue. Gotcha. So if you're not going to wholeheartedly support us aftermarket guys and like, you know, keeping your cars for performance guys and stuff like that, then you probably shouldn't go to an aftermarket performance venue. That makes sense. And that's what I didn't feel was right. On our end of things, on Ford, we would see, it used to be called Ford Racing and then Ford Performance. Like legit, you, in the 90s, you can get a head cam package for a mm -hmm. brand new Mustang. And then you can get a Whipple kit and this and this and that. Now it's like, it's like SOL. If you yeah. want it, you gotta go somewhere else. So then as a Mustang enthusiast or even a aftermarket enthusiast, you wanna make your car your own. Like you said, it's gonna be just aesthetics. So. You mindfully didn't go to PRI and SEMA because of that. Is there any other reason? Like, is, is one more guilty than the other in terms of how they, what they say versus what they do? No, and I will go back. I, I'm not like a, not, I'm not like a, oh, I'm never going to, never going to go again, like type of thing. Like, okay. I don't like the word never for that reason because, you know, it's so finite because they, <laughs> people change and thing companies change what they're doing and different people come in charge, but I think with what they were doing right now isn't helping enough to the people that are supporting them okay. that it almost just feels not worth Like imagine trying. going to SEMA to see your favorite whatever and that person hasn't done anything to support mm -hmm. your support of their vehicle. Yeah. And yeah, so... I, Even with you guys, like if Ford's coming out with a new vehicle, I honestly think like they should be on the phone with somebody like Lund. Crickets. They should be... Crickets. You should call up the guys that are, like, pushing your platform Dude. and be like, hey, what have you guys found? What have you seen? Like, I get that you hired some engineers, but, like, there are people out there doing it. So what my... And I have to tread lightly here because we still do work with... Not with Ford, but our main, you know, thing is a Ford thing. And then, you know, it, it entails tuning companies that need some stuff. So... We met with them, and it was more of like a, hey, you're screwed. Whereas pre-20, hey, uh, your, your, your kid needs to go to college? Yeah, well, you know, we need some files. You know? or, or, hey, we found this, try this. You know, and there was no communication. Mm -hmm. We would like, what are you seeing at 1,000 horsepower applications with the 10R80? Yeah. We're seeing the E-clutch smoke. Oh, it doesn't smoke on the Camaro? What's that one have that this one does? Nothing. You need people like Manuel that literally goes to 30 of them mm -hmm. and goes, okay, I found what to do. And then Ford, Ford should be going, how are you guys going sixes with a stock ECU? How'd you do that with our product? How did you bring our product to that yeah. kind of performance? There's so much to be learned there from people that are actually doing it. And I feel like Ford is giving a huge disservice to their loyal customers. And not just Ford. They're not the only ones to blame at all. Chevy and Dodge 100% are as well. And I think Toyota still does a good job at 
housekeeping enthusiasts really? loyal. So give me an example, if you don't mind, because I, yeah. I am totally blind to the Dodge and, and Chevy world, but you say Toyota is still supportive of the aftermarket, sort of? I, I think they're probably the more supportive group. They've already made their claim against going to electric. Yep. And that. they even still make like, they make like performance variants of their cars that are like next level. Like obviously Chevy and Ford do that too. But like, I think what Toyota offers and the import side of things is still actually good compared to, they're still like pushing almost. To allow that, even the new Supra, there's a lot you can do to it. You can tune the new Nissan Z, or supposedly. Mm -hmm. I saw a guy, someone. It wasn't a standalone situation, was it? Was that a factory no, they're, ECU? No, they're factory ECUs. So a brand new Z, factory ECU, able to be tuned. Yep. Supras and new big single turbo on a Supra, able to be able to be tuned. Yep. And now, twenty-four Mustangs, you can't. So yeah. I'm like, well, what? And this is one of the subjects I talked about. Where, what would cause you to change platforms? lack of support so personally me i don't i'm not too platform loyal right. i drive a Obviously. chevy truck <laughs> yeah i drive a chevy truck because i think those were those were great mm -hmm. and i have the ctsv but like I, I ls is because they're good but ls and gm are almost not even like synonymous at this point okay. like because if you if you're building ls like you're not using that much gm stuff right it just <laughs> happens to have been designed by gm at this point right so what, what I've seen is a lot of Mustang guys go to the BMW world or the, or the uh, Supra, the Toyota world. Mm -hmm. They go, well, S550s become Stan Starlight weirdness. Let me go somewhere where it's more race oriented. We see the A something, I forget what it's called, the, the, the new Supra. Um, we see that moving out. So let's just mess with that. And it's caused a shift in platform. And then the people that come into our S550 and up platform, like the S197 guy is a racer, yeah. <laughs> period. Uh, the S550 is aesthetics and some race, mm -hmm. but mostly aesthetics. It looks a good looking car if you do certain things, but I've never seen it in, in, in my tuning queue, an S197 guy say, I need it to pop and burble on diesel. Well, the, the new, the S550s finally drive really good. Really good. IRS makes them drive like an actual sports car right and you know the camaros don't really have that same level of like sports carness i feel like i that's thought the, the uh the alpha platform was something that was very good handling wise but didn't drive just, well or? it just seems like it hasn't really taken off like okay the 550s interesting yeah they do drive well like i, I remember when I, I had an 11 mustang that was like the first car that got me known it was like a stick shift 10-1 car and then I got a red S550, and I was like, it's a spaceship. This mm -hmm. thing is like, whoa, the AC works. Like, everything works, yeah. you know? And I'm like, wow, because it was such a departure. So then you see that they basically just strung all that out all the way till 2023, different nose. And then I see this 2024, and I'm expecting to see a completely different car. And it's like, no, it's the same car, just, you know, a couple of turns and two cold airs instead of one cold air. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, well... <laughs> You look at like Nissan, they just announced the same the GTR, GTR yeah. for the last 15 years. <laughs> it's tired, The man. same car. But like, you're not, a, there's not like a Nissan GTR guy, really. Like, they're guys that have GTRs because that's what they like. But like, the Mustang guys are like, I've had every one and I'll have the next one. Correct. The it, GTR it, guys aren't really like that because if you have an R35, you're probably not an R34 guy. Exactly. It's just like a complete departure. Yeah. 
So I, I noticed that must, the most loyal Mustang guys mod it the least. It's about the Mustang. Mm-hmm. It's about the name. It's about, I drive a Mustang. And, you know, they'll get in a V6 and swear to God, it's, it's badass, which is fine. But the performance guy stops at, like, S197 or the S550 guy has a lot of money because they're, they're kind of an expensive car to build. And it gives you, it, what you put in, it'll give you back. Mm-hmm. But the guy that doesn't care about that will buy the brand new Mustang. He just doesn't care. I just want the latest one. Yeah. You know, two years in, sell mine or trade it in, and they just keep doing that forever. And I, that's what Ford's going to have to rely on because the performance guy is going to ignore, probably, in my opinion, the 24 and up. Yeah. Because the guys that can actually build a car will just build a older car. Like, they'll, they'll just have to. They have to at this point because you can't tune it. Like, right, imagine right now, right now, you, Cooper, you want to go eights. And you get a turbo kit off the shelf. You get Brett LaSalle to build your trans, and you get axles and a drive shaft, E85 and a tune. There's an eight-second car. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, that was, that's almost stupid easy. And then um, you want to do that to a new car, and you can't. So then you're like, okay, I already did it on the S550. I already did it on the S197. I guess I'm building a next 275 coupe. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing at that point? So that's why I bought a, a Fox body because I said, if I'm going to get into the old is new thing, let me kind of get, well, again, well-versed and let the channel maybe gain some traction based off of that. But it's yet to be seen. You know, what is it in there? Is it a small block Ford in there? It's a 351. Like a Windsor deal? A 408. I think it's a 408 because it made too much power. It, was, it made 460, 470 torque. And I'm like, these things make like 200. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and I was like, what the hell? So then... I have to do some research and pulling some stuff. It seems to have high compression. I'm thinking it's a 360 or 408, and it has a carburetor on it. And uh, a lot of tuners, that's the other thing. Tuners, <laughs> modern tuners, you give them a carburetor, they're, what the hell, what the hell? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Because I was a millwright most of my life. I was a heavy equipment mechanic. So when, when I got a carburetor, I'm like, all right, great. And the thing starts, and I'm adjusting, mm-hmm. and, and it's satisfying the tinkering need and uh, yeah, because if you're not like a break out the laptop type of guy, yeah, like uh, I have a ZR1. It's so hands on. I took the ZR1, I put injectors in it, and I'm like, it's an E38 computer, I think, the ZR1s, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't know. And then I look at the tables, and I'm like, what the hell? Like it's just like, but then you learn what they're trying to do, and then you go, okay, so there is no wrenching, there's no satisfaction of instant stuff. Yeah, it's like flash it, see what it does. The carburetor stuff. Instant, instant, instant. Yeah, while instant. it's running. While it's running, you're, you're like, oh, okay, it. that's the wrong way. That's yeah. the right way. So you get that satisfaction, and it's all analog. You know, it's like you floor it, it's going to go. It, mm-hmm. You let off. It's, it, there's no sensor to say nothing. It's, it, and it satisfies that. So I'm like, maybe I can kind of carve out a little market of the analog, old school. And the old school guys do love it because they're like, I didn't know you knew carburetor stuff. And I'm like, that's what I grew up on. And the tuning stuff, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not some fancy badass tuner. I just know how to manipulate the tune based on what I see in the data. That's it. Do you think, though, that getting starting off with carburetors and working up to a easy, uh, more difficult thing is the way that it that a start should happen? When now, you know, somebody my age who never touched a carburetor, you hand them a laptop, and it's like, oh, this is all the stuff. It's almost overwhelming. Where you kind of got it little by little. So if you're a, a really good at coding or, or researching a binary of ones and zeros and you have the proper programming, you don't care about cars. You yeah. care about data. You're a data-driven person. You know, So if you look at a website that you're building and you're coding some stuff into it, you care about how it's reacting and what you have to do to change that. 
That's the modern tuner. Yeah, you have a goal right. and you're just trying to make the data get to you. That's goal. it. So now there are guys that are like super high-end race car, car guys and tuners that are like are high, like the guy who uh, tuned Garrett's car, the guy with the long hair. I love yeah. him. He, he's yep. old school. I love that guy. I guarantee you give him a carb, he'll know what, what the deal is. So with me, I needed to learn by doing. So I am, I'm not that smart. So if you were going to give me ones and zeros in front of me, I'm going to go. And then the naming is weird. Like Ford doesn't call timing, timing. They call it saftot. And you're like, saftot? And he's like, yeah, it's spark. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. How about throttle, ETC, electronic throttle control? I'm like, and then there's actual and desired. And you're like, so, senior, Lund senior, who is top, top, top G, you know, awesome guy. He's, um, I said, let me ask you a question. I'm having a tipping issue with my Coyote. Where are the squirters on the carburetor in the tune? And his eyes lit up. He went, here. Oh. And I was like, oh, manifold volume or there's some tip-in transient stuff. Mm -hmm. I go, what do I need to do in there to make it have more fuel? He goes, make the numbers bigger. It clicked. That, at yeah. that moment, I went, oh. So I, I immediately started getting into the tuning queue of customers, seeing the data, asking questions, and going, okay, okay. And then, then you understand it. The moment you understand on modern vehicles, well, throttle by wire or drive by wire when you floor it the blade doesn't open when you floor it it requests torque and then mm -hmm. it does math and goes i need this throttle angle to achieve this torque so you're just playing with torque management torque management so yep. basically if your torque tables are off the throttle won't open all the way no matter if you're to the wood mm -hmm. i've seen people on ecoboost especially they they floor they go hey, throttle goes to 55 what the hell? i'm like because it's like an internal like a bypass it's like an internal um, um, correction of the torque model because if you floor it all the way that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get all yeah. the power so ford is using a very different strategy than most people would imagine yeah so that's people why think of it like a diesel truck more air and that's it, it like it, that's all good and yeah, i'm like, you know, like, like but ford I, uses a different strategy I've, than I've a 1999 cummins absolutely so when you look at a data log and you see throttle angle 85 i get so many customers that go hey my throttle's not opening all, all the way i go it's degrees and they're like, well, I want it at 100. I'm like, you yeah. want it to half shut? And they're like, oh, that sounds really stupid, doesn't it? I go, yeah, uh, I can give you 180 if you want, you know, yeah. whatever you want. So um, it, it is a torque model. And once you figure out that everything has to do with the math, and, and if you're tuning the math wrong in the, in the air tube, everything is wrong. And once you kind of figure that out, you go, okay, I'm requesting torque. Once you kind of figure that out, then you figure everything else out. But initially, I was tuning fuel. Car, simple tunes, there's neat fuel adjustments, fuel adjustments, and they were, they were doing well. And then they're like, all right, now you can get into the 6R80 stuff, boosted stuff. And then I got really good at TVS stuff, and I said, let me buy this, because I'm not going to learn unless I do. So I bought, yeah. I had this 11 Coyote, it, it, NA junk, put a TVS on it from VMP, and started tuning on it, and I'm like, oh. And then anyone that had a VMP car, they'd give me because I'm familiar with it. Then yeah. I bought a S550 with a VMP. Then I got, I, I was so good at those cars. So now it's an ESS thing. ESS is like a BMW supercharger brand and, and I have that in that car. And those guys love me because- Yeah, they're I, a lot I, in the Corvette world too, the oh, East good. Coast supercharger, Oh, right? beautiful. No, 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 um, wait, maybe. ECS? No, ESS. ESS. It's a German, oh, it's a, it was a BMW thing. it was thing. ECS because there's a ECS centrifugal Supercharging company. Is there? 
Okay. Yeah, this is ESS. They're out of uh, New Mexico, I think, or uh, Arizona. Yeah, they're very similar to the Pro Charger stuff. Yeah, it lo it's literally that. And then, except the head unit is made out of like a titanium. It's actually pretty badass. So once I got good in that, I, I, I'm stupid. I, I should just take the money and bank it. But I actually buy the car, buy mm -hmm. or, or get sponsored or given the given the blower, blow my car up. Like, okay, don't do that again. And then I, I I put it out there. When I bought my F-150. We did a lot of the tuning on that. Then I rented a 2.7 EcoBoost truck, did the tuning on that. So I'm like, let's just, I'll just buy it. Or, because the YouTube channel was semi-successful. So I'm like, I have the money. Might as well, you know, work with it. But the only cars I've had off of like pleasure is like the, the Shelby and the ZR1. The others are like purely learning. Yeah. You know, 100% learning. Yeah, I know you wanted to stick shift race that one a little bit, right? The ZR1? The, didn't you say the Shelby was the stick Shelby, shift? Yeah, so the Shelby was a... a you know, Reed Case 400 with a cone converter, big bunny stuff. Because it was like a grudge racer who had it before. So I'm like, well, I don't know, I can't drive it on the street. It would get hot because it, it didn't have a sprag. So I'm like, oh, I don't like it. So we put a sprag in it, drove it, went eight, won a couple times. And I'm like, I just, it's not fun anymore. So I sold the transmission to Lund. Lund is going to put it in their um, Blue Goose. And I bought a T56 faceplated, I mean, you know, yeah. the whole nine, G-Force gear set. Still kind of wonky on the clutch, but I want to stick shift race that. I, not many stick shift S197 GT500s have gone yeah. um, eights. It's like a handful. And there is a, you know, micro record, like quickest modular blower stick. You know, I'm like, oh my God. But mm -hmm. hey, whatever, I'll cling on to whatever. But the goals eventually is to try to get into the sevens with it. It's right now getting a new engine from Keith Ray, Wonder Racing, and uh, getting high compression, blah, blah, blah. So I'd like to make... 12, 1300 in it, and then I'm gonna break stuff because it's a stick car, and eventually I'm gonna have to get a $5,000 Black Magic clutch. But I, we'll see. For now, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, that's yeah. the tough part of stick shift racing. You gotta be prepared to get a little dirty on those clutches. Constantly, you gotta get under it. Like you, yep. you've seen, you see, you see it. You see these guys under the car putting base weight, putting more this, putting mm -hmm. more that, and I'm like, <sighs> and it gets tough too because like if something happens, you're like, okay, was it chassis? Was it clutch? Was it tune? Was it me? Right. There's so many Like, variables. how often do you adjust bar angle on this car? Never. Right. Because you you know, okay, it, it, it does what it does. It cuts like yep. 125s, 123s, something yeah. like that? It's, it's been 117, 60 oh, foot. Yeah. Okay, that's legit, legit. So you're like, leave it alone if it works. Yeah. But let's say you have varying track conditions and you have to take weight out of the base weight of the clutch. Yeah. And then you go, well, is it, do I need more bar angle, less bar angle, or more base weight? And you're like... Ah, uh, you know, so you... And the kind of racing we do is where you can set your clutch, what you think the track was at 11 a.m. Then it's greasy. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're not making your pass till 3 o'clock. Yep, then it's greasy as hell, and you're track just Track conditions like... are completely different. So it, it takes, a, like, a special kind of nut job to kind of do yeah. competitive stick shift racing. Like the grub worms, the... Um, well, they, Garrett. They, <laughs> like, like it takes a, well, two of the people that do it own transmission companies. And that's what I think is perfect for them. Um, yeah. Granis and Grubworm, they, they are perfect because look at what our transmissions can do. Yours yep. can too. I'm like, badass. They're probably the biggest T56 sellers in the country. And everyone else, I go, why are you doing this? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, what is happening? But um, I love it because it's like a great equalizer. I... I do have a bit of a gripe with the pro top end stuff with the strain gauges. I'm like, ah, I wish you guys were clutching in, but I understand yeah. that 3,000 horse, sometimes you just don't want to clutch in and, you know, it could unsettle the car. Who knows? But it is awesome to watch. I, I watch it and I'm like, oh, every single time there's a stick shift race, I watch. That's why 
some coyote stock stuff was really alluring to me because of the stock engine, stock tune, stick, and minimum weight, go. And those are the rules. And those guys seem to be super competitive. So, yeah, I'd like to stick your phrase to GT500, but not competitively. Like, you know, go to a dumb local track and just mess yeah. around because i don't have that kind of money dude or time or patience yeah, go to tx2k and stick shift race your car try to get into world cup forget it yeah it, it, like those people like you've seen them you've seen the people that like have their motor apart <laughs> in mm -hmm. between rounds and i'm like I, no yeah you go up to world cup and like if you walk around the pits at night and there's not a bunch of people with their motors out it's something's weird something's wrong right you yeah. see honda guys just casually taking a whole motor out gtr yep. guys transmissions on pallets and I'm like, I'm just, it's I'm just crazy because I think even the blue car, they did, they didn't, they have to put a motor in it. The, the six second, um, yes. Brian's car. Yeah. Brian Luna from Mexico racing league. They, um, it didn't blow up, but it pressurized the coolant and they're like, yeah, you don't want to, we don't well, want to, that's what you have to be prepared to do at that level. And I was blown away that they took an extra motor from mm -hmm. Houston all the way to Maryland. And, and, you know, they hauled, they all hauled ass there. Aldo and all those guys got to it, got it done. And it, they went rounds, but during testing, it went 200 mile an hour, 7.0, and then they came back on the same motor and it went sixes. And I was like, boy, that's on a coyote to switch a motor. You're all yeah, night. That's a big job. All night. All night. So, like, how, I don't know, what would it take to swap this guy out? Let's say you have um, three people with you that really know the ins and outs of this car, like, really know it intimately. Mm -hmm. How long do you think it'll take to swap out a motor and get it running? I can take that motor out alone in an hour. Really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, a little cheating. On, it's a little slower, not on a lift, but I can have it out in maybe maybe an hour and a half to two hours, not on a lift. Is it I because it comes out from the bottom? No, it, it comes right out on the top, but it comes out, twists, and everything, for the most part, stays. Okay. And it's not too crazy. Getting it back in and running is probably another three-hour job. Maybe it, three, four What hours. do you use for tuning on this? Pro EFI. Pro EFI? Really? I haven't heard that in a little bit. Is... Um, is that what your, okay, your when, engine builder or whoever that they prefer? Or? Alpha said when we built it, he said, just put a pro EFI in it. And, you know, obviously we built it a few years ago. His opinion may change because, not because pro EFI obviously got worse. Just Things because there's better. so many other options now. Because mm -hmm. now Fuel Tech has a pretty good program with the 2Js. Okay. Um, MoTeC obviously has become more attainable. For people right right it, <laughs> it used to be crazy money for that stuff and then yeah like couldn't find chips ago, or whatever or wires or whatever five years ago if somebody said they had a motec it was like Ooh, you're oh rich. wow oh, yeah you? <laughs> now it's like okay like a lot of cars have it now right okay so yeah it, with a coyote um well with a power glide it's a little easier but the fact that it was twin turbo and all that stuff had to come out yeah. put in repressure i mean it, it was a big job but i was aldo is one of those crazy racer type. you know them there's this guy that does you know a guy that wakes up and thinks about racing the whole time doesn't brush his mm -hmm. teeth he smokes like first two seconds of the day and he's like let's go racing and yeah. i'm like okay that's a good guy to have in your camp but i'm not that guy <laughs> yeah i mean like if that's that's drag and drive mentality like if you're like you'll be on a drag and drive and somebody just like middle of nowhere just put a rod through their motor they're like <laughs> all right like get some jv weld like get some rods like immediately before they're even like thinking of like, oh man, like they're already just thinking of like, all right, how do I, like, gotta put it back together. It, you know, and that, that's why I watched Drag Week, the initial Drag Week before the whole sick week and all the other stuff came around. <clears throat> it was so impressive to see guys that are winning nothing. Mm -hmm. They're winning nothing. They just want to say, 
they did it. Yeah. And then you see guys doing it at a level of low sixes, high fives. And I go, what the F does it take? And then you see what it takes to run that. You go, oh my God. Like you feel like your eight second car is like peasant mobile. You're like, I'm a peasant. Well, like Tom Bailey who runs sick week and has the six second cars, Mm -hmm. he could run any racing series he wants for that money. With the money that he has in two Dragon Drive, he can run any events he wants. He can run Pro Mod. He can run anything. Right. And he chooses Dragon Drive. So it's a very interesting thing. It blows my mind, but it's also good to see a guy that can run Pro Mod stuff and go, no, I want to do Dragon Drive stuff. And to mm-hmm. prove a point that I'm, I have the baddest Dragon Drive car yeah. on the planet. And I love, love, love that stuff. It's the, the community. It really is. It's the people. Really? Because they're, everyone on those events, they all just went through the same punishment for the last seven days yeah, or whatever it is. They're, they're very connected, like on the side of the road together, like broken down, like very connected group of people. And it's, it's really only in that. And also because it's not heads up racing, I think it also brings a little bit different of sportsmanship. You're only trying for your, your number. That's why um, when I did run, I never had a car that fit any class. It either, either the Power Rider was not allowed or the car was too heavy or whatever. I ran True Street. I actually love True Street. I love driving there, driving 30 miles, getting mm-hmm. back. And some didn't allow you to ice in between runs, but now they do. Now they're like, yeah, we're not going to have you burn it, burn it down. And I thought that was such a great equalizer. And on the Ford side of things, on NMRA stuff, that would be a very pop Bowling Green, NMRA, True Street, 200 plus cars. Yeah. Stupid. Um, but it's almost like they purposely sometimes screw themselves, like with exhaust stuff. Like, how are you going to have a twin turbo car have stock tailpipes? Like, you know, like, like, like exhaust comes out. Like, you have to, like, yeah. have some late leeway. And they're like, no, it's got to be, like, registrable in your state. And I'm like, come on, man. The rules are tough sometimes in that deal, especially for, like, NMRA. And that's partially why they've been kind of in a weird spot, I think, the last couple of years. They're, I hate to say it, but they're, they're slowly going away. Like, you could see it. You could see them fading a little bit. And you don't want that because... What other event do Ford guys have? You, you can go to NMCA, but you know, then you got to like make your car fit a certain class, yeah. and then you, you don't know what to do. You don't do NHRA, IHRA stuff. And they can't restructure because they're going to hurt their fans that are diehards, but they have the ability to restructure because they have the, they have the people, they have the, like, they have the event structure they just need to like change it do you know that turbo coyote was one of the hottest classes in there and it went away i think because of politics like people didn't like the fact that this guy had a big single versus twins i'm like mm-hmm. it's a run with your brunt class but they you know it got politicky yeah and 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 i see that have you seen that a lot lately a lot of a lot of people arguing that certain cars shouldn't be in this class because of feelings i do it you do it. I do it based on emotion only. <laughs> Give an example. Give an example. Like, I do it with my friends. I, I, <laughs> you're like, no, you can't every, run. You run 690s, bro. What are you every doing? Every event promoter that puts on an event, I'm, I get on them. I'm like, don't allow Twin Turbo Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting on Victor at FL2K. I get on, I think I've commented that's it on funny. TX2K that, that's stuff. Funny. Like, okay. Because there's a select few people that I'm definitely directly talking to. When Absolutely. I say it. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're like, I don't, want, I don't want to race that guy, this guy, that. Yeah, I don't want a green twin terminal car. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I get it. So, exactly. No, I get that 100%. But there are people that, um, for example, the biggest controversy that we have in the 6R80 world 
is that Power by the Hour developed a hub that made a 6R80 three-speed. So now it's a re-geared 400, yeah. for lack of a better word. But it is still controlled by the Ford Racing, Ford ECU. And people were like, well, it's not a 6R80 anymore because you don't have all six gears. So we would say, how many times have you hit all six gears going down the track? No, you, or mm-hmm. you put a 273 so that you only hit three gears going down the track in the final drive. Yeah. So when we, with Jake uh, PBH, developed that hub, people just got salty and didn't want to compete if a yeah. car had a 400, a 4R200 is what he called it. I get that you take like a significant amount of like resistance and rotating mass a, up out of, of the transmission, yep. but it's really not. So a T56, crazy. in your opinion, a, if I remove fifth and sixth from a T56, and put a G-Force or badass gear set. Is it a T56? No, now it's a T4. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd go there because I'm, like, I'm like, like, Granis's car is a T56. But, but yeah, I, of course but I doubt it he puts it in gears. fifth and sixth. Yeah. Right. So that's the it same. It doesn't have those gears. They that's, don't even put the gear set. That's the same argument I have with the 4R200 and 6R80 guys, and they don't want to hear it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, Granis and Grubworm have T56s. It's not a T4 or T40, whatever. It's a yeah. T56 case, doesn't have fifth it's and sixth. It's not six. like a pro-stock transmission that just like yeah. falls into gear. It just, it just, not that it affects you, but it kind of does. Eventually you just go, I, I don't want to go, I don't care. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's, so, it's, it's such a silly argument, but we all have those little niche arguments in our communities, and I'm sure you have them too, but um, eventually, like I talked about the culture before, it just, it, it takes the wind out of your sails. Like I'd rather... I'll be honest with you, I'm at, this is where I'm at the point now. I'd rather go to a rental at Bradenton, run the number, go home, and be left alone. I don't win nothing. I don't talk to nobody. I say, here you go, Vic, or here, what's the other guy's name that does the prep? Yeah, um, Wade. Wade, here you go, Wade. Here's 200 bucks or 300 Sign my name away, run a number, put it back to the trailer. See, it's almost like you going up on the mountain with chickens and being left alone. See, I'm the opposite, though. I Testing my car, to me, is boring. Going and making a pass where <laughs> there's not somebody else on the other so you like racing you know, in the other lane so you like racing yes okay i don't care to take out my car to make passes i do i just because Victory, i avoid people <laughs> but like like to me um like a hail mary pass means nothing okay i i don't care like it doesn't excite me i get like i get excited about records and stuff for mm-hmm. people but like there's no record for me there's no record for a 2j I camaro <laughs> actually you got nothing, it. nothing yeah <laughs> i have that i have six i have fastest six cylinder camaro right. i got that well, be careful. There's some three, eight, four, three. If they want to pull into the lane next to me, I will happily race them. Gotcha. That's good. If it has a VIN number, because there's some Pro Mod Camaro out there. Oh, yeah. I no, know no, that no. has one. But if it has a VIN number, I will beat it as a six. So you get off of the competition. Yes. Yeah. So um, letting off the button with somebody in the lane next to me is the only awesome. yeah. car activity I truly care to do. Really? Yeah. Like, um. I, I guess I like it too, but I, because of my, because of maybe my position, I, I need less, you know, like I talk to people all day for eight yeah. hours and we type and, and this, and why do you, st- and then, ah, oh, I just want to be left alone, you know? So when you, when you finally get in your car and let's say for instance, you get in your car and you're tuning someone's car and they talk to you about their car when you're trying to get in the zone with mm-hmm. your car, Texas 2K was awful for me too. People were like. Hey, what about this? Hey, what about that? Hey, my car does this. And I'm just like, I, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting in my car. I forget the ice. Yeah. I forget to turn on the intercooler pump. I, I well, was like, this- I, I actually learned that a lot with Garrett, and I, I get that still. I'll have 
people come up to me that just know me from the internet talking to me. I'll be strapped in one car back from making my pass, and, hey, and there'll be somebody at the window, and I'm talking to them. We're having a conversation <laughs> about what he had for dinner last night or something, like the most obscure thing. And then... Then you got to get ready to race. Yeah. Okay, then maybe you have a, a, a I better... have a different understanding, but I don't owe that person anything like you do, because you kind of have a financial tie to that person. Correct. I could just be like, hey, like, you know, well, kind of shoe. Right, and if I do that, I'm the biggest a-hole on the planet. If yeah. I was thinking, hey, like, like the car came back and I, and I thought I blew it up, and it's making this crazy racket. Come to find out I blew the EGR bung out of the hatter, but I didn't know that at the time. So everyone's like, hey, what's wrong with the car? It's all like a chain. And I'm just like, but mm -hmm. I can't do that because if I freak out, there's some idiot with his phone or whatever. So I'm just like, hey, can you guys give me a break? I'm going to diagnose the car. No, they just, they want, they want to help. And I'm like, I understand you want to help, but you're actually not helping. So eventually you just like, get the F out of here, but you don't want to be that guy. So if it, it, like when I go racing, I want to just go, like when PBIR was open, it was awesome. I'll be honest, it was 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. I'd go there, turn the car on. No one knows me, which is awesome. And I'm just, I'm just running and it was, it was awesome. And then once that went away, I, there's a big void. And you're like, I can't go racing. I can't do anything. I have to either race on the street and get in trouble. Mm -hmm. I got a 130 mile an hour speeding ticket like an idiot one time. Paid a thousand bucks. Stupid. And points on points, my license. Yeah. And had to go to the driving Insurance school. goes up. Everything. And I'm just like, that's not worth it. So now yeah. I go to Mexico. Yeah, I don't, I don't drive fast. Like, I don't race on the street like that. If I get pulled over for speeding, I mean, it is what it is. Like, that's the risk I, right. that's the risk I sign up for when I, I know the speed limit <laughs> and I go too fast. But when we were supposed to race at TX2K, I, I now make it a point to where if the car breaks and I'm not going to fix it, put it on the trailer and leave. Right. Or else you're getting asked by every person what broke when you don't even know yet. I don't diagnose the car. Like, if I, like... For an extent, you know that your car's broken enough to where you're not going to diagnose it at the track and fix it. Right. My car, when we were supposed to race at TX2K, was on fire at 150 <laughs> over the windshield. No. Like, transmission fluid coming out over the windshield, like fire, you know, under the car, all kinds of stuff. I wasn't going to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> let me see what's going on underneath yeah, It's on fire. <laughs> yeah, so I put it on the trailer, and I'm like, I'm going to just... You know, kind of like lay low Chill on out. it. Yeah. Right, right. Make it seem like it's not doing anything anymore. So then I don't get the million questions. Well, but. we didn't race and I didn't have a buy because I did the same thing. The, the voltage was low. IATs were through the roof. The intercooler pump wasn't working. And I'm like, I'm not going to make a pass and burn it down for a bypass to yeah. test things. I'll just go home. So whoever, like no one raced that round. We just, I just went home and I was just super frustrated because one, I have no track by my house. Two, I can't test anything unless I drive it three hours. Bradenton or Orlando. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, let me go on the street. It doesn't hook on the street. 11, 1200 horsepower. It just doesn't hook. So you're like, what do you do? Put it on a dyno? I mean, I have access to a dyno, but I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like, that ain't cool. It's not shifting. It's not launching. It's not anything. So yeah. all, you, all you're testing is what it does between four and 7,000 in third year. And I'm like, this is not fun. So for the people that you know, we're talking about the Bradenton and other tracks closing, I guess people don't understand the passion those people have with that automotive uh, hobby because that, that's a release. That's a, that's a, it puts you, your mind at ease. You're happy. Yeah. But then when that gets taken away, I'm experiencing that right now. I have nowhere to go unless I drive two hours or three to do anything. And I've done that a couple of times where I drive 10, 12 hours and get one pass in because the car breaks. 
And I'm like, that's this, the this other unfortunate fun. part. If you're very far from home and you have a lot of financial obligation at that point to make something happen, things aren't as fun. And unfortunately, I've seen that where once you're financially invested in being at an event, even if you think you shouldn't run the car again, you have to for your best judgment, mm -hmm. like you're like, oh, I really shouldn't run the car again. I'm either going to break something, it's going to blow up, like boil it down. You do because you're in that situation. If I wasn't in this field, I think I would enjoy it more. I Meaning if I wasn't tuning and cars were my hobby, not my job, mm -hmm. I would actually enjoy it a lot more. But right now, it, it's, it's, I'll be honest, it's miserable. It's miserable because you, you have to fix and be responsible for thousands of people's messed up cars mm -hmm. as opposed to your own. So don't make your hobby your main job. Is it <laughs> easier for remote tuning to truly be remote when your customer's at the track? Like say you have four cars going to Bradenton this weekend to test. Yep. Is it easier for, cause I know Lund does that for a bunch of the guys I race with. Yes. Is it easier for him to be remote than actually there? Absolutely. So that's really tough because then you can't even truly just be there enjoying it because hey, hey, can you look at this real quick? Like right. So, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm sitting in front of my laptop, and I get three guys at three different tracks, data logs. So I look them on data log. Looks good. Adjust shift points. Bye. Email. Give me another hit. Next guy. Oh, you need more timing here. Bye. Done. I am now waiting for data logs again, and I've done about uh, half hours worth of work. And then he sends me another log. Now, what on the other end, a customer's like, data log sent, revision, put it in the car, run it. Oh, it went, it went, mm -hmm. here's the data log. In person, plug into the car, sit down, listen to what he thinks is happening. Yeah. Hey man, uh, it's kind of breaking up between the three and four shift. You think we could flare? Have his debate of like, oh, should we put more power into it? Like, can we, uh, can we add more timing between the two, three? And can we shift yeah. that at 50 RPMs more? And I'm just like. You want to leave on five RPM more? Right. Uh, can you, so what I do remotely is, um, uh, Add, add three pounds of boost, another hit. And by the end of a fourth or, or fifth run at a rental, that car has gone to personal best, the customer is ecstatic, and I've done my job. In person, I have to plug it in, data log it, listen, and then really, you have to look at the person and talk to them and go, oh, okay, and then you have to interact, and now you're not yeah. tuning, you're, you're consulting. It's a lot more customer service. So when a customer tells me, I need you in Puerto Rico tomorrow to tune my car, I go, no, I don't. You need to send me data logs. And they go, well, that's not going to be as good. I go, yes, it is. Trust me. All I need to see, because modern data logs are so, you could tell me something and the data log is saying you're lying. Mm -hmm. I say, you'll say, Alex, I was to the wood and this thing doesn't go anywhere. And I'm like, data log says you're half throttle. And you're like, no, I was full throttle. Data log says you're half throttle. Then especially, they go back out there and they go full throttle and the car magically works. Well, especially with the cars that have a lot of data. Because yeah. like race cars where they have track temperature, tire temperature, converter temp, air temp, like, like, like barometric data. Yeah, if you are a tuner that's tuning a standalone car, you need to be there. You need to see what, if you're tuning the suspension, if you're tuning yeah. the, 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 the traction control, if you're tuning bar angle, you need to be there. Yeah, but like even that, they have shock sensors. You're right, you're right. And they have G-force sensors and all kinds of crazy stuff that like, there's such an ability to tune remotely on it true race cars yep. where you can see so much. And a lot of people think that's not real tuning. And I've had this uh, discussion with people. They say, well, a real good dyno tune is a, is, a, is a true good tune. And I'm like, 
So a stationary device that you do a watt pull in one gear is better than you driving on the street going through four gears and mm -hmm. me dialing that in. And they're like, uh, I'm like, it actually ultimate is track stuff. The ultimate is track stuff. And like you said, if it has shock sensors, if it has back pressure sensors, if it has EGT, oh my Lord. Yeah. Pfft, you just, I sit, sit on your ass and have 15 screens and you're like, I can dial this thing into, you know, within a every bit of data you can imagine. And I often wonder if some people go too far into the data crazy where they're chasing their tail on things because, oh, you know, one exhaust temperature with two degrees different. And then you're, you're suddenly in this like crazy data mindset where it's too much. I'll give you an example. Um, I think a mix of old school and new school is really, really important. Let's say this thing is doing bumper dragon wheelies or not bumper dragon, wheelie, but a really good power wheelie. It's just, and you're like, I'm not comfortable because at night this thing might light off a little better and get up there. Well, some might take away from the timing ramp, but you're like, I don't want to suffer the loss of the 60 foot. So some people just shove a lead weight in the front. Yeah. Tuners generally don't do that. They'll go, well, I'll give you a better timing ramp. Now your 117 becomes a 121 and you get beat by like, mm -hmm. and you go, if I had that back and, and had the nose down, I would have been good. Well, there's also the two kinds of tuners. There's the one where, oh, it didn't hook, close the laptop and walk away. <laughs> and then there's the tuner that's like, let's figure it out. Right. Because like, you obviously pay for what you get and you pay for the experience yep. and stuff like that. But there's Alpha's always been really good with that. It's like, we work together. Who tunes my car? We work together to get the car to go fast. And that's Not the, like, that's I have to deal with all this side of things. And he it. just makes the chassis. Like, he just makes the engine make power. When you have a good relationship with your tuner, it's, only, it's mutually beneficial. Your car runs faster. He gets better mm -hmm. data. He has a, a, a more refined version of a tune. Like, for instance, I, I have maybe 10 guys that are, like, loyal. Like, they don't care. If I start selling, like, you know... Uh, you know, pan, uh, cooking pans, they'll buy it. You yeah. know, they're like, I don't care. So I, they're like, they give me such good data that I can lean on them to go, hey man, do me a favor, try something else, do this. And they give me the exact data I need. And then they get a draggy, they, they love data too. And then I take that tune because it's a refined version 86 and give it to the next guy and it, it's repeatable. Hmm. And I go, that's, that's, the great thing about a good relationship, it's mutually beneficial. There's a lot of people that tune shop. They'll literally stuff a cold air in the car and judge your tuning abilities based on a 91 octane cold air tune. They'll go, I want one from this one, this one, and this one. Tune it, run it, tune it, run it, tune it, run it. This guy's the best. I go, <laughs> like, you, you got to give me more data or you should, you should work, let's say, refine them all. And then you can make your, no, they, yeah. one tune done, lunch sucks. <laughs> I'm like, so Cool. An interesting thing that I've been thinking about a lot is artificial intelligence. Okay. It's very smart. Could you just give it that data log at some point and it tell you what A, you need to do or just make the changes? That's yes. where I think we're not far off from in drag racing, yes, but in most things, we're, we're pretty close. I mean, they're already reading the stock market and picking the best winners and right. losers. <laughs> Who's to say that your car is so complicated that it can't... So if you look at an HP Tuner's data Look log, at 50 data logs simultaneously. Yeah. And go, by the way, this is the best course of action. And it sh make changes, do this. Well, therein lies a problem. You open the door for AI to kill humans. Because... Yeah. Because that's the best way to protect them. 
Well, why do you think I already plan to live on a mountain? <laughs> like, iRobot is so good, it's scary. Well, the best way to protect you, we are tasked to protect you. So mm -hmm. you guys kill each other, so stay in your house, you're locked in. So with, with AI, I think you could, for example, an HP Tuner's data log, if you configure properly, will tell you the correction for the mask and the spark and the knock and, and uh, torque output. So you could literally write some kind of program that says, make corrections based on this. Yeah. And it'll go bloop. So, but like even more insane, like a, uh, a race car that has 200 points of data, you know, 300 points of data for every shock, every sensor, outdoor, like air over the car, that kind of stuff, like super sensor where obviously nobody is smart enough to read that, right. those sensors but you could plug it into a computer and it could read it all in milliseconds and punch you out what you need. And imagine it recommends bar angle. Exactly. It uh, knows the car. Arrow. Knows the geometry. Timing ramp. It goes, you, you're, you're, you're better off leaving at 12 pounds with this barrel, with this track temp versus mm -hmm. this, this, and this. And you could literally have an AI spit something out at you, which is basically, uh, it's, I kind of think that's what we're doing already, but we're just the interface. The, like the computer's already, based on the math, telling you what's happening. And yeah. the correction is just the opposite. And you go, oh, oh so it, you need less of this because I gave you too much of this. So we're just the, we just need someone to interpret the data that isn't a human. That's what I mean. Like it's basically hyper interpretation of the data, but also judgment as well. I based think, off of what changes were previously made to get to some results. Have you messed with chat GPT yet? I've played with it, yeah. It, it's funny because depending on what you give it, it'll have a predictable answer. Seems left-leaning to me. The more you talk to them, like, you're a, you're, you're a Democrat, aren't you? Yeah. So, but the, if it can write a homework and, and base, base a play based on, you know, Biggie Small's upbringing, you know, yeah. when he lived in LA and has the voice of, you know, Snoop Dogg, you can, it just spits it out. But there is a lack of there's a human touch that's just missing. And but it's when we intuition. think we're on version one of it. No, no. It's version one. Exactly. And imagine, it's already impressive. Imagine, in, like, you remember what an iPhone used to look like versus what it looked like. It's kind of weird. Oh, yeah. It got bigger. Yep. But the processing power. So, yeah, in five years, what's that going to look like? And what jobs will it take? Coding jobs. What kind of job will ChatGPT take away from a coder? Let's say you want to do a website. Chat G code me a website. Well, Bam. I used it the other day. I was, I was doing something else, and I had... I had to send a sponsor email. So, write me a sponsor email. Stop. Dude. Like that. Three paragraphs. Nice. You just plug in the names of stuff. Did you it read out. it? Proofread it and make oh, sure it didn't sound it. ridiculous? Like, I read it kill was, humans. <laughs> I read it and it was better than what I would have written. Really? Well, because I'm, I'm short when I email because people don't have time for that. So, right. you know, make it a little nicer is helpful. And then, and then it, it puts the proper punctuation and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's better grammatically than I will be. My God, you know what? I'm going to chat GPT my replies to customers. That's what I mean. So imagine <laughs> imagine it could just take that out for you. Imagine there's a plug-in. Yeah, that's oh. what I mean. If it could just take out your having to... It, it could be an assistant, basically, <laughs> at first. If I can chat GPT a plug-in into Zendesk and say, when the customer says, Hey, man, what do you think I should do? And it just spits out an answer. Mm -hmm. And I proofread and go, that's about right. And just hit send. Yeah. I don't think we're far off from that stuff. Well, are you a proponent or a, uh, of having a brain implant that processes, your processing power is 
accelerated? I, I, this isn't car related. No, I personally, <laughs> personally, I don't see a need for a, a brain implant, but I have the use of all my appendix, appendages. Is that for slower? For people that don't. Is that slower than the process? Meaning Google, let's say you can Google in your head, answer comes No, up. no, I mean like if, if it can help somebody that may not be able to walk, I'm all for oh, it. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha, I understand. I thought you, you know, like if somebody has like, you know, no use of their arm right, and the neural connection you can put something gone. in there and it fixes that awesome. all for it. Right. But what if at the same time, because maybe it's not one or the other, they become superhuman and they're like Googling stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not exactly thrilled about that because it's definitely a tough thing because then, you know, if you don't have it, you're at a disadvantage in life. Imagine there's a chip that will help a paralyzed person walk, but also makes them a supervillain. Yeah. What do you do? We're, we're not far from all of that. And that's crazy because when I was a kid, you know, uh, I watched Terminator as a kid. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And now the older I get, I'm like, oh my God. It's like, it, we're getting really yeah. close because Skynet is, was a software program. And once it was lit up, it killed humans. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm, we're getting close to that. So. It's actually a great storyline because they thought they were stopping Skynet. And it really, was they were the just virus. hiding from it. Right, it was the virus. They and were then just planning just... to hide from it. Right, and I'm like, interesting, because if you allow AI to tune, will it do a better job than the human? And I, I would almost say yes. Yeah, I mean, what, what do we have computers do that do a worse job than us? As, like, you know what I mean? Like, every time there's a computer implemented to do something, it's doing a better job than the people that were doing it before for the most part. And the input device is the human. That's where the error comes in. Like mm-hmm. if, if I fat finger is what we call when we like mess something up in the tune, a, a, a decimal, now you're getting 400 degrees of yeah. timing as opposed to 40. <laughs> so that maybe it cuts down on that, but I don't know if you would give it 100% control. I, I'm sure this has to be some kind of checks and balances, but if it's a true AI, can it just override that? And just to preface this, because people will say it, they'll be like, oh, Holly already does that with self-correcting fuel. It is nowhere near what I'm talking about. Are they saying Holly is an AI? (laughs) I think people that don't realize the level of what AI actually is meant to do think that self-fuel correcting is like... It's a small step in the way to it, but it's nowhere near. No, what it's I'm not connected about. to the internet. It's not learning. No. Well, I mean, it's learning a correction. It's a math problem. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, when a math problem, ah, eh, well, let's think about that. Let's think about that. Is that a small form of AI? It's it's the stepping stones. Okay. For sure. It's definitely not. <laughs> I wouldn't amoeba. call it intelligent. Because <laughs> it's never going to send you a message across your screen that says, "Hey, you know, take a take Wait. a pound of tire pressure out." But but it will say manifold over pressure it will say yeah. you know so because that's what i imagine it like you know someday you're 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 looking at your screen you're pulling into the uh, beams and it's like hey it's hot do this right take a take a pound of air out of the tires because it the only thing that it can actually do is a, in the physical realm i wonder but the thing is okay th- then they, it would need so much data it would need so many different DA measurements, track temp measurements, tire pressure. It would need you to populate that data. And that would, that would require hundreds of runs. Well, most cars already have it. Yeah. Like most pro cars already have that data. Like I know Garrett's El Camino has all that data. Yeah, it has really, really Wheelie sensors. Refined it has data. track temperature, tire temperature, shock sensors, turbo impeller wheel speed sensors. Yep. You have all the data. But nobody can interp- 
interpret all of that. So you, okay, but then who programs the chat GP? The, the, the person programming the chat or the, uh, sorry, the chat, the AI has to know the corrections or do you think it allows it's it to learn? It's self-learning. So you, you're saying a, a Holly computer on a, <laughs> on a shock sensor. Um, no, it is interesting if AI could tune better than a tuner. And, and I think if you give it enough data and it's 100% data driven, sure. I see, I see no reason. I see no viable argument why that can't happen. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously, I, I don't think it will happen mostly because the cost to yeah, do it. Yeah, and you're tuning 0.002% of the industry. You know, that, that, exactly. You know, what are you doing? I think it's a possibility. <laughs> I think, you know, airplanes, we may see mostly AI piloted, for example. Well, aren't they? They're, now? They have autopilot, but I think it kind of just keeps it straight. And but do you know how many corrections it makes? I don't know. And it's predictive, meaning it is a, it is a predictive model. So when you're on an airplane and you're, you're like, this is smooth, and then you turn off the autopilot and the human is trying to yeah. correct it, it's so many. My, so I think there's a predictive model that goes into like Boeing says, if this, it's, 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 it's similar to tuning, right? So tuning, it's if, then you know, if this happens, then this happens. If in turn this happens, and it's always a learning yeah. model. That's why short-term fuel trims on a fuel on a car are a average of what's happening in real time. Long-term fuel trims is the predictive model that's done over a longer period of time. So it's a minute form of learning. So it is kind of predictive AI, but it is not connected to the internet. I guess it only really gets scary once it goes into like a predator drone. <laughs> well, it needs to be connected to the internet. Once a predator drone that isn't controlled by a human at all has AI, then maybe it gets a little freaky. Well, didn't the movie Interstellar have that where they had a drone that nuclear powered and it would just stay up there forever mm-hmm. and it would just shoot people that it felt like it should just shoot? Well, it was um, <laughs> Eagle Eye, Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Yeah, he but went that, crazy after that. <laughs> he lost his mind. Now I see why you want to move up to a mountain, man. Look, I think the AI stuff is super interesting and scary because I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think we're at a point in civilization that we should have that introduced. We are. I'm, I don't know if you're an optimist or a pessimist. I'm, I'm more of a pessimist when it comes to people. I don't think we're smart enough or evolved enough to have an AI work for us like that. There's too many nefarious yeah. characters that want to use it for evil. I just consider myself a realist, I guess. Okay, that's, yeah. that's better. Kind of like... I'm more of a pessimist. I, I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> I just just realist based off of the things I've read in history books. <laughs> so would you trust AI to handle your investing? No, but I don't trust the guy to do that now. Right? <laughs> no, I, I get it. You know but, what I mean? It's but like, let's say I have a, a thousand bucks laying around that I could just go, here you go, AI, do your thing, bro. And the sucker returns 10 grand in like, you know, a quarter. I'm like, here, take the 10 grand and g- give me two, take eight and do your thing. And it does a great job. But then what happens? Do, do investment firms outlaw AI predictive models for that? Because it's data. It's just a histogram of data. They can try. But I mean, if you look at what Wall Street has done, where it used to be a ticker that was coming this <laughs> quickly, they didn't stay to that. They didn't right. stick to that. You're right. They, and, and they then, evolved. And then there was people on the freaking center line buying, selling with pieces of scrap that paper. Yeah. And now it's, now it's all digital. Now Nobody's even in New York City anymore because right. all of it's useless. It's all, yeah, it's all digital. I don't even know why they have it anymore because it's all in thin air somewhere. The only reason is because of precedent. 
it's because they always did it this way. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the only reason things are mostly done the same way. I would love for some guy that has, I mean, Elon is a good example of someone that has a lot of money and does what he wants with it, it whether it's for the greater good or not, whatever. But I like the fact that he's like, I'm buying Twitter and I'm gonna make it better, mm -hmm. cool. Imagine there's someone out there that's like, I want AI to do everything for me. And let's, let's say they're a hot rod guy and they're like, can it tune better than I can? Yeah, I don't see why it can't. Especially, I mean, like the electric vehicles are a great example of how they can torque manage so well. In and rain, you can go nine. Simple, yeah. yeah. That's just a very simple form of intelligence kind of torque managing a car. Have you seen what the data looks like on a Tesla when it does self-drive? I've seen like it scares crazy me that it knows what a child is yeah, like like, behind something. And I'm like, what, what, what did you do to get there? And then they're building an Optimus robot which has the, the self-drive in a humanoid form. Mm -hmm. So it can literally like look at you just like a, a Terminator would and go assess you as a threat or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always joke about when I bring this up, people are like, oh, just have it drive the car. I'm like, think about it. I don't have to have a cage in there. 200 extra pounds taken out of my car. You just have something else. <laughs> Could you, oh, like a robot? Well, <laughs> think about it. You don't need any safety anymore. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, okay. So that's, that's just me playing devil's advocate that's funny. for when people say that. No, that's funny as hell. I'm like, think about the amount of weight I take out of it. So that's it's all driver oriented. You literally describe grudge racing, right? Yeah. They have a jockey that, that is expendable, yep. <laughs> and the guy with the money goes get in that car and bust that guy's ass. And he's eighty pound dude in there, and in the there is no cage. And like my car, my GT500 had no cage when I was running eight ones. And it was a grudge car. It was called the tax, the tax collector. It was whatever. So it, you basically describe that. Some guy that's expendable. You don't care about a cage. Go run a number. Mm -hmm. I've actually made jokes on my, on my live stream that said a trained monkey could drive a 10 R80 car down the track. Yeah. You just say, Coco, when that light hits you, just floor it. <laughs> well, have you ever driven a car that is expendable? Which is an RC car. Yes. You crash them. You em, smash it up. You go 90 miles an hour and then take a turn and suddenly the thing <sighs> just crashed and you're like, darn. Like, darn. Then you put it together and do it again. But when yeah. you have a $300,000 or $100,000 car, you're like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I get it. But um, it's similar. You know, you get to, once, once it's expendable. Well, Elon did, someone did ask him, can these robots eventually work their way up to be like sex slaves? And mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I never even thought of that. He's like, Absolutely. <laughs> well, it would only make sense because what was the first thing that happened once the internet came out? Porn. Porn. Instant. First thing. See, you weren't around when, you were, but uh, like, let's say 90, so you were. I'm 94. 94. Okay. So 97, 98, 99, it was so raw and it was like people getting their heads chopped off, things getting burned and then porn, 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 porn everywhere. Yep. Then people started to pay for it. Or they made, and, then, and then they came back to, to be free. And yeah, like the first thing people do is want to bang something. And when they, when I'm like, imagine, th then I had so many questions about the physicality of it. And I was like, yeah, I'll get that to some other time. And it, what if they built AI into it? Yeah. <laughs> it learns you. It's the, it's the <laughs> early adaption of most things. Cause like it makes, it's a big industry. It's like one of the biggest industries of like profit on the internet. That, that, that I'm, optimistic about the, the the future stuff i'm super optimistic about i'm huge into the space travel stuff i watch every launch i i'm a psycho with the live streams I, i'm up on all that stuff um the 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 self-drive stuff is cool but i'm not like a tesla fanboy i it's cool but i'm not yeah. a super hardcore fan 
But the future is optim. I am optimistic about the technology, but then you think about my main hobby, and I wonder how that's going to all fit in. And unless I keep everything analog and old and as it is right now, I don't think I'm even interested. And I think I've become one of those guys that is just not interested in anything that's new, especially on Forza. Yeah. You know, it's like, like, are you interested in the upcoming anything from any manufacturer? Like, oh, I can't wait to see the new 3TS. Like, I, I just know, like, I know that all of the new stuff is very unlikely to be faster than any of the old stuff. And if we're progressing backwards, how am I going to be excited? Exactly. Because even like the twin turbo C8s, they're not faster than most pro-charged C7s. Like, you mean the current ones? Like yeah. The, okay. Yeah, like you're the people right. that twin turbo the C8s. Like, right. They didn't, they don't impress. They're, not, they're like, not super fast. They're not, they're not writing home about, like, they're not that impressive. Right. Like, okay, cool. But they're like, you know, whatever, 890s. But it's not enough. That's not enough. It's, it's not, not near enough to, to really excite somebody that already owns a seven second car. And I think that's our skewed sense of speed. Yeah. You know, because we're like, like sevens to you is fast, but not blazing But fast. the Coyote guys do it so easily. Yeah. That, that, so it, we're it spoiled is, that way. It's, it's skewed, but it's not. Like, it's, it's really only money. It's not, it's not like, do oh, you, you have that? to find the right guy and do, you do the right things. Do you hate that about our hobby? Do you dislike that about our hobby that no matter what you know or don't know, if you have enough money, you can bust everyone's ass? I don't mind it. I think it's. I think it definitely helps progression a little bit because you know you can watch the guys with all the money pave the way. Oh, I get that. First one through the door gets bloody <laughs> type of thing. You know, okay, that's they, good. Somebody went out there and broke two hundred six R eighties. Yes. Before trickled down to the guy that can go run nine hundred passes without. But let's say the out. guy that gets into it and builds a you know notchback. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. well, what? Are, so, and then, and I'm not hating on people that have money. That's awesome. I, I, I hope to be one of those guys. But there is a sense of uh, the grassroots guy that does it from the, out the mud, let's just say, and runs, gets to the, the zenith, gets to the, the top of the, the mountain, and then some guy decides, I'm going to build one. Yeah. And beat your ass. Like, no problem. And you're like, what the hell? Well, I talked to somebody about this the other day. We were talking about, like, winning the lottery, and I was like, I probably wouldn't drag race. It wouldn't be as fun. Why would I drag it? It just wouldn't be fun. Right. <laughs> if you had like a legitimately unlimited budget to build like a street car or something, like it just would not be fun. You get $100 million in your bank account. What's the first thing you're doing? Probably going to the mountain. Okay. After the mountain, afterwards, you got your garage, everything you, what do you do? What do you do? Do you, do, do you grow this? Do you grow this? Do you become more in tune, more podcasting? What do you yeah, do? Yeah, that's probably what I would do. I would probably just have people come to the mountain, sit down and talk. <laughs> Seriously, and that's where I'm at. That's why, the, that's why I'm here. Because yeah. once I saw your podcast, I went, I want to do that, and maybe I can help him and he can help yeah. me. And I think we've never talked. And I'm like, this will be interesting. I think we're going to grow out. It'll be good. And I'm like, I want to do this. And every time I do my live stream, there's a huge satisfaction that comes over me. Mm-hmm. And when I get in my car, I go, F this thing. <laughs> Screw this thing. I hate the, you know. Yeah. But if I didn't have the, 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 the day-to-day interaction with people customers which again i love them but it takes away from your hobby that's why i always tell people don't make your main passion your your job because it it, it, you just hate it like i know a lot of people that were welders and they had a a main gig 
and then they, they, they quit that and then did welding as their main gig and they hated it. Like now I got people telling me what to do as opposed to me, look what I can do. And then mm-hmm. I would sell two or three of them and be happy. And I think the podcast slash live stream stuff is it's a passion I have that has overtaken the racing stuff. I'd rather just test my car, have some fun tinkering, but competitive racing, like if you're loaded, you wouldn't race anymore. Yeah, say. I just, I think it would be less enjoyable. I think it would be like, if you could just go out there and buy your way to the victory, which there's not anybody out there that's so loaded that they could just like completely buy, buy their way into no, any exactly. victory. It's, it's hard for everybody, but when you're talking, you know, almost a billion dollar Powerball win, <laughs> you could buy your way into any victory of a streetcar class. Pretty much. Yeah, Pretty it's much. not going to be that difficult. I could give you the formula. It's, you know, like yeah. I could tell you the people to talk to at least. Correct. And as long as you're not a complete idiot, you could make it happen. I agree. I agree with that. And, and that's, I don't think that's a negative for the sport. If there's a rich guy that, that's getting after it, I just think it's, it takes the wind out of the sails of people that are grassroots and, would, and almost hate people with money. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't hate the guy for him being successful. I just think he took a shortcut and I'm almost like, damn, I've been doing this for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Cut my teeth in this stuff. And this guy just comes in out of, out of nowhere, bam, runs a number, and now, now he's top dog. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly kind of smart. Like, the guy that's 50 years old, that's like, I did, I did a construction company, and now I'm drag racing. It's like, yeah, you did it right. Exactly. So I tell people, don't race when you're young, because it is a money loser. Mm-hmm. And I didn't race competitively. I was broke most of my life. I'm a late bloomer in all aspects. So... When I started to get a little bit of money, I was like in my 40s. And people are like, oh, that's old. I'm like, not really. You don't feel old when you're 40. You're like, I feel the same. I'm just no more stuff. And then when I was able to throw some money into some of the cars, it, I was like, okay, cool. And then I would think to myself, imagine if I hadn't messed around with cars when I was in my 20s. I'd have, I'd have a super nice house. I'd be in yeah. a better position. But now, you know, things are okay. But you wonder what could have been if you would have just hustled on your money. And then when you can get after it and, uh, you know, go racing when you can, when you can afford it. Because a lot of guys that build a company need a tax write-off. And they're like, yeah, I got 300000 a year yeah. to burn. Let's go racing. And then at that point, they can do it. You live it up. Go freaking enjoy it. And to back to the stuff with the podcast is I hope that more car guys start doing this stuff mm-hmm. and more people, like, because if you look at, like, comedy scene, everyone has a podcast in the comedy world. Everyone. And they all do well and they all go on each other's. That's mm-hmm. why I'm hoping that more people do this because my thought is a rising tide rides all ships, yep. rises all ships. If I can be on somebody else's, somebody else can be on mine. Kind of just goes around like yeah. that. So like that, I was planning like Brian, long term. Exactly. Long term. Like Brian Luna has one called Autopreneur mm-hmm. and he, he has a lot of Houston people on his stuff. But I, but I wish he would cross platform stuff like he, he knows the LS and stuff. But I wish he had like uh you know, import guys on that, that normally wouldn't be seen by Mustang guys. Yeah. Mustang guys are in a bubble bubble. Like they, they're in there. Um, and the moment you bring someone else from another realm, you go, Oh, okay. But you almost have to like the host first to go, okay, who, why is he bringing him on? That's true. Why, why do I think he finds him in- interesting? And, and once we kind of cross, like who knows what's going to happen with this one, but I'm hoping it's met, met well, but if not, no big deal. Yeah. Hey, People are listening <laughs> this far in their, their, yeah, listening to exactly. the whole thing. So, so, I, so I've, always wondered, I've always wondered what can happen if people in this industry did that more. And I've, and I've always thought the live stream would help and then podcasting would help and then being on each other's stuff would help. And I'm like, yeah, let me get over there. It's a three-hour ride. We'll go over there and talk some shit for a little bit. So 
no, no, I hope it, I hope it does well because you've had some really interesting people on and I'm like, man, I, I got to get on that early because I don't want to be like, when he's huge, I'm like, can I get on, man? You know, let me. I, I hope that it continues to grow for sure, of course, I mean, obviously, but um, it's, it's nice to be able to put a light to people that aren't on YouTube all the time because there's so many cool shop owners out there Dude. and cool racers and I hope people trust me when I have somebody on like, hey, you should watch this even if you don't know this guy's name because... I'm not going to have just like random people on that aren't interesting. Yeah. And if you keep your circle small, then, and you already know everything about this person and, and you're like, okay, I, you know, expanding. I had some people on that had never been on YouTube or anything and people love them, especially mm -hmm. Southern guys with a drawl. They're just, they just yeah. talk a certain way and people love them. Like Joel Steele, he's a stick shift guy and he's just like talking that shit. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, I like, I loved it. And he just went, then I had Ben Stoner, who was a, a, a GT350 Fat House Fab guy. He was great. So I think it's important to have people from different platforms on that normally you wouldn't come across. And I think it'll grow. And, and again, you don't have to talk car stuff. We talk AI stuff mostly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a lot of other interests besides just cars. <laughs> What's your, like, what would be your number two? If, if cars was number one, I don't even think cars are number one, are they? The, it's, it, I would say cars are number one. I would say like, I get very interested in like businesses and stuff and that kind of like separate mindset, but also like the the farming and sustainable living stuff. I have a lot of animals. You saw there's I saw tortoise out there. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? There's a bunch of chickens out there, <laughs> fish tanks and stuff. Like a lot we of that kind tanks? of stuff. Yeah, I have a big fish tank that it just it had like forty tilapia in there until just recently. Okay. But yeah, like that kind of stuff Did is very interesting <laughs> to me. They had a they had a tragedy and died when it froze. Oh no, oh no. Yes it did get cold up here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> But that kind of stuff is, it's like a different level of like learning. I had no idea. So I, <laughs> I, I, I forgot. See, in South Florida, the, I, it didn't get under 40. It's a different environment up here. It's totally different. And you wouldn't think so. And it, I just literally just want to cross it up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, it's like. 10 degree difference. Yeah, 10 degree difference. And I was like, wow, it froze up there. And the lungs are somewhere up here, Tampa area. And they're like, yeah, it's freezing. And I'm like, it's 55 here. And they're like, yeah, it's totally different. So when people say Florida, I'm like, where? Like three Floridas. Yeah, there's literally like the center, west, east, and then what do they call the panhandle? Like, Whatever happens over there. I don't know what ha what happens over there. Did, I just drive through. Do they have it. electricity? Yeah. Whatever happens <laughs> on the panhandle, I think there's some oil rigs out there. People in Pensacola are like shit. <laughs> the ten guys in yeah. Pensacola. <laughs> yeah. So when when people say Alex, I want to move to Florida, I go where? They go Pensacola. I'm like, stop it. That's Stop not it. Florida. It's not Florida. It's South Louisiana Georgia. Louisiana or yeah. Alabama. Or it's something. I'm like, that is not Florida. So it is interesting when people say Florida. And I'm like, you need to really pick and choose. Like, I tell people all the time, uh, South Florida is, is, there's a lot of money. There's a lot, there's a big mix. But Palm Beach County is New York. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. I don't know much about Tampa. Brain, what would you say, especially lately, like the dynamic is between, you know, is there a huge difference between Bradenton, Tampa, and Sarasota? Um... I would say it's all pretty similar mix. Like, it's all kind of newer people, I think, in most of those areas. Right. Like, it's not people that have been here for that long, for the most part. So it's just anybody who recently wanted to move here in the last, like, five, ten years. They end up, he they end up in this part. I think they end up in this whole, like, Tamp greater Tampa area. And I what do you think it. about, like, Orlando, New Smyrna, Kissimmee, besides it being Puerto Rico? I try to avoid Orlando <laughs> like the plague. <laughs> like the plague, I try to avoid Orlando. Well, because I don't, Orlando's just, 
it's Puerto Rico to me. And I'm like, okay, it's like Kissimmee, like the Puerto Rican flags everywhere. I'm like, okay, whatever. It looks familiar, but I'm like, it's so big and, and it's odd to me. It's just yeah, odd it's where spread out. It's weird. Like I, I just I, I try to avoid it. I think it's, it's probably the older part of Florida, but it's Disney. It's the, it's the mouse. Yeah. He's everywhere. He's selling cash for gold. Yeah, he's, he's outside it of CVS. Disney. Yeah, it's Disney. So so yeah, if you like Disney, Orlando is your wheelhouse. But no, yeah, it is. It is an interesting dynamic kind of coming over here and then talking about that. When you said freeze, I'm like, freeze? I'm like, oh, yeah, the tilapia. Yeah. So you want to be, so you're more interested in a lot of the farming, self-sustainability stuff, off-grid type stuff? I love that kind of stuff just because it's so, it, it is like building a car. Like, it takes the patience and the energy and, like, I, I always have this opinion that car guys, we like to do difficult things just because we're we're stubborn, stubborn. and idiots and, yeah. like, if, if it's like, oh, you've got to roll that boulder up a mountain, a bunch of car guys will be like <laughs> okay, doing good. it. Yeah, okay, cool. Like, this is fun. I like this. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is interesting to take the hard way to, to things. And, and, and I guess it's the struggle because we ima- like it. We yeah, like imagine we do all this spend, I don't know, uh, would, you, would you say you have 100000 in this car? I would say so. Okay, yeah. so let's say you have 100000 hours and right, everything. everything oh, yeah. cumulative. Cumulative. Shit, oil changes and stuff, and <laughs> exactly. it adds up quick. And then you go, I do this to get four seven-second pass, 28 seconds of fun a weekend, mm-hmm. or potentially. And you're like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's way better things that you could be doing for entertainment, for sure. I think there's a video of Jay at Real Street that summed it up the best. He was at a half-mile event, and he was in the midst of crashing the car like the car was like in the grass going sideways the the green supra it was i think it was his gray one okay okay. and he dumped the chute and in the midst of the car like losing control he goes there's got to be a better way to have fun (laughs) (laughs) you can hear him like rethink all of his decisions but why do we go back and do it again like i'm stubborn i'm still blown away that we okay senior made a great comment one time we were at world cup he had just done a big bumper dragon wheelie, split the front end. It was just like, he goes, you know the best way to become a millionaire? Drag racing? You start off with $2 million. Yep. And I go, then, then why do we keep doing it? But, yeah. you know, it's just, it keeps doing it, keeps doing it. Like, his Grey Goose is so badass. Like, you, if you get under that car, you go, oh, my God, this thing is dumb, dumb. And I'm like, why'd you do this? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know why I do things. And then the Blue Goose is ridiculously as dumb. It's literally two Billy badass cars. And I look at him and I'm like, you know, you drive your escape more. And he's like, yeah, but it's almost like we don't know why we do this, but we do. And you almost have to have, like, does your wife look at you sometimes and go, what the hell, why do we do this? Like, what the hell are we doing? Like, what's well, that's wrong why, with you? <laughs> like, I, I tell people, marry a car guy. They have endless patience. They're not cheating on you. They're in the garage. No. They're in the garage. And they have all the patience in the world because you got to have it. If you're sitting in the lanes for four hours making back, you could go out there, spin four passes in a row with three hours in between. Yep. And, and you're still just sitting there waiting for your next one, op- <laughs> hopelessly optimistic. Right. It'll happen this time. this one will be better. Yeah, but then the problem lies that we, uh, it's funny. The, if you had to choose, you'd probably choose the car. <laughs> I mean, not you particularly, but the car guy. I'll tell her, like, <laughs> hey, the car's gonna be there no matter what I do. Oh, okay, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Because it's gonna be sitting in the garage no matter what I do. I remember, I remember a girl I was dating one time. She she said something about her kid. She goes, no matter what happens, my kid come first. I go, so does my car. 
And she looked at me like I'm a psycho. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, do you, you're, I get it. Your kid comes first. That, it shouldn't even be said. But the fact that she said it almost just like slightly, I'm like, oh, my car comes first. And she was like looking at me like I'm a psycho. And I'm like, see, when someone tells you something that is implied, it doesn't feel all that good, does it? So yeah, car guys are a special breed. We're stubborn, but we're loyal, typically. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I don't see too much of that kind of drama in the car world. No, like... Uh, like <laughs> we're not I, investment bankers. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not no. in like those kind of worlds, you know? Yeah, like it is interesting. Like It's the, very blue collar. If yeah. you were to analyze like the brain pattern of a car guy, I wonder what other industry you can like attribute that to. Like what other kind of person is similar like in brain pattern? Someone that knows something is like not working, but you still are at it, at it, and at it, like nonstop. It's very similar to like early humans. <laughs> like <laughs> just continually doing the same thing. I, I, have you done that in this car or in any car where you, you go out there and do the exact same thing hoping for a different result? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm definitely the definition of insanity. I mean, <laughs> I come home and then I, I check the same nuts and bolts every time. <laughs> I mean, I get that. But it's you know, like, the, that's, that is like the insanity part. You're checking the same stuff. You're doing the same thing. You're just, it's just repetition. And somehow we enjoy it. Yeah. Like, like, I'll be honest with you. I had never really worked on cars a lot until like how difficult you, you do all your work on this car. And then maybe once in a while, like yeah. the, the welding and stuff you, you mm-hmm. don't do. So I, I had people working on my cars and then, you know, they were just failing me. And I'm like, I can't get with anyone on the East coast to work on my car. I have the money. He, nope, nobody wants to work on the car. So I started doing it myself. So I did the Sprag on the GT500 that pulled the motor out recently. And I got a huge sense of satisfaction when it was done that I hadn't had before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is what they love. Because I'm trying to psychoanalyze why car guys are car guys. And I, I don't know, for whatever reason, after I took the motor out, took the headers out, put it on a stand and shipped it off. And I was like, I'm very satisfied. It's, it's kind of like an expensive trip to go golfing with your buddies. Cause like when I go to the racetrack, you know, there's 10 of us standing around, we're talking, we're bullshitting for six hours a day. It's legitimately like going golfing. Okay. But way more expensive. Cause <laughs> most guys that go golf, they don't care to golf. No, they just want to drink. They and just want to hang out, drink, drive the golf cart around and hang out with their buddies. Right, right, right. And it's a very similar aspect. We just, we haven't admitted to ourselves that we should just go do something cheaper together. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll make you happy, though. No, probably not. Yeah. Like, if you get into, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't even know anything. Like, RC racing, it's boring. It's, I, yeah. I, I bought oh, a yeah. nice RC car, and I, I literally zipped it up and down the street. So I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> Put it back in. It's sitting there just looking at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the camaraderie is what I miss because I haven't had it since I moved out of Massachusetts. I had the friends I grew up with, like, legit people. Like, it's so hard to find legit good people in the automotive industry lately, for me anyway. Like Jake is like one of my best friends, but he, he's married and he's got things going on. So when I go to the track, it's by myself. And I, and I jack the car by myself and I'm under it by myself yeah. and I trailer it there by myself and I go home by myself. And I'm like, the people that you thought were, and maybe it's because of the position I'm in where, where they're like, have you, and I've come across this, known people that want to get to know you just because of what you can provide them, not because of who you are. Oh, he's got connections with Holly. Uh, mm, hey, what's up? And you're like, maybe, get out of here. Uh, um, maybe. I haven't found a whole lot of that. I'm sure it's definitely happened before. Right. But, yeah, it's not, like, super rampant. I'm sure you deal with that, too. That's most of the people that come across. Yeah. It's very rare to come across, like, a genuine good person that, that's, like, 
and I don't know if that's a regional thing because maybe on this side it's a completely different, but it's just like, what can Alex help me get? Mm -hmm. Can Alex tune my car? Can Alex get me a blower kit for, for cheap? And I'm like. So the other flip side is I'm, I'm like a, a loner by heart. Like I'm perfectly fine. Like a great example, I was at um, a race up in Orlando, big race, and it was midnight. I was at the top end of Orlando. All the rigs were gone. I was there alone in the finals. Okay. I, wife wasn't there. She wasn't there that weekend. I pulled into the, the water box. Not a single person around knew me in the no finals. No one's lining at you midnight. up. Nothing. Just nothing, you. Just me. And I and people were like, oh man, like, sorry. I'm like, I'm just racing. Like right. this is like this is normal. Like you, you know, sometimes like the people that you're racing with went out early. Right. And they went home and. They should. I wouldn't expect them to stay there till 1 a.m. That is interesting because when I do get help, because I'm, I'm usually like that all the time, and I think it's, I reject people because I, I, I just like, ah, I've had enough people that just, I want to go by myself. And then I get there and when someone tries to help, I go like, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. who are you? Like, you're, oh, I'm lighting you up. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks. Appreciate that. So it is appreciated when it is genuine. And when it is genuine, I appreciate it. And I, you know, keep those people in my life. But you know, when you come across a certain type of people, South Florida specifically is like that. It's There's a lot of, I hate to say there's a lot of scammers down there, but like, don't buy a used car in South Florida. Oh, hell no. Don't buy a used Mustang, any, anything in South Florida from, uh, from, I don't know, Boca down. Don't yeah, even, don't, don't even buy used cars down don't there. Don't even bother. Yeah, it's a piece of junk. So, you know, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, well, I can get over on you and, and it, it, you see it and you don't react to it. You just say, I'm not dealing with them. Yeah, and I, I help a lot of people. Like if my buddies call me up at midnight and their trailer, their car's broken, I'm like, there. I get in the Dude. trailer. Like I don't care. Yep. Not expecting things from people because I, I'm comfortable in what I have enough to not be trying to get one over on somebody. Right. My, I wouldn't say karma, but it kind of is karma is not worth trying to get something over on somebody. Right. Even though like karma is kind of a cheesy word it, it, to it use. It is cheesy, but it is, it all, it's, it's apt. It's like the proper word to use. Like you don't want to have anything bad happen to you because you tried to get. And look, I, I've been really good about trying to help people. Like I've gone out of my way in certain occasions to help people in the tuning community only to get like be left hung out to dry later. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay. So then when I don't help them, they're like, well, you're just selfish. And I'm like, so it is interesting to be in tuning because you ask yourself sometimes, do the people actually give a crap about you or they just want you to tune their car? And, and, and when, you, when you come down to that, if you even have to ask yourself that question, you're already yeah. kind of like salty you can You can often tell how high somebody will raise your flag when you tune their car. Like some people will raise the one flag really high. Mm -hmm. Some people will just kind of like do their thing. Right, right, right. You know? And what I've noticed is like, let's say a person... I tune them, they were all chummy and good, and we're texting and everything's fine. They disappear for two years, and then they hit me back up when they have another Mustang. And I'm like... <laughs> how, do, how does things work when, like, so somebody's at the track, you remote tune their car, but then so-and-so's at the track, plugs into it to help them out. Other tuner, shop, well, you know what I mean? Well, like, the, what, what happens with that? Like, so he can't read the tune. He can read a data log. So it's locked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We oh, locked we lock the crap out of yeah, it. Yeah, I was unaware okay, of how sorry. locked they so, are. Okay, sorry. So, yeah, um, there's an encryption on it so that... I know you can lock... Like, my ECU can be locked as well. Yeah. So what happens is um, 
this happens a lot. So for instance, let's say 6R80, just like 6L80, are difficult to tune, so is 10R80. So when, let's say, Lund figures out the 10R80 shifting, and it is crisp, it sounds pop, 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 really nice. And everyone else is like, flaring and sounding like crap. You go, okay, cool. So you lock up your tune so that if someone tries to draw it, it just throws a checksum error. Or it's just, it just says, yeah. nope. So what happens 90% of the time is those people plug in and send it off to a company or they have some, some genius try to, you know, whatever. Funny thing is, there's ways of putting East, you know, egg, Easter eggs everywhere. Like you make a value that makes no sense. Only to you, it doesn't make sense. So I caught a pretty well-known tuner doing that with our tuning. Uh, I, was at, I was on a dyno. I heard this car hit a limiter. It just hit like a throttle cut. And, you know, he was just testing for, uh, for, for power. And he goes, um, hey, what's wrong with my car? And I'm like, can I data log it? He goes, well, my tuner doesn't want you to plug into the OBD2 port. And I go, oh, so maybe he thinks because his file is open that I'm going to draw it. I'm not interested in the draw. He goes, no, he definitely doesn't want you. Okay, fine. So he did another pull, hit a limiter. I'm like, sorry, thank, thanks for the 100 bucks. See you later. Yeah. So he leaves and then later contacts me. He goes, I drew the file. Here it is. So I look at it and immediately know it's a Lund tune based on the Easter eggs. And I go, who tuned you? And he told me the name and I went, hmm. So it happens and we lock it as much as possible. But look, if you're smart enough, you're going to do it. But the problem is then the, you can't see what we did. So let's say, for instance, why is the transmission shifting that good? You can't see it unless you have yeah. access. So yeah, we do. But let's say to answer your question, sorry, I get off kilter. If someone wants to get tuned by so, data logged by somebody else because we're not there to help, when, then you're seeing half of the equation. You're seeing what the car is doing, but not what it's commanding. I have the tune. That's one part of the puzzle. The data log is the remaining part of the puzzle. So if you only see the log as a tuner, you go, oh, it's, it's, it's killing timing. Yeah. And then I go in the tune and go, no, I'm only commanding that much timing. So we don't get mad about it, we would just say, well, that tuner can't see what we're doing unless he's trying to draw the file. And we've heard reports of tuners trying to draw the file. Like literally, I've had guys on IG say, yo, check out this message. The guy says, sell me your tune, meaning I'll draw it how much you want. And he's like, nah, I'm not gonna let him plug in. I have, I have literally a video of me putting a master lock on my OBD2 port as a joke that, you know, you can't, you know, I'm locking my tune. So it is interesting that people still do that, but do you know how many people do that and have a full career by drawing a tune? Oh, Using dude, other people's tons, tunes, yeah. Tons, I is, know what happens in all aspects. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, I feel like there's not that kind of tuning B for drama in the Dodge world. Right. Like, I don't think there's, like... Well... I don't there's know if, like, there's huge Dodge tuners like that, because, like, yeah, there's huge there's Chevy tuners. There's a couple of... Okay, not huge. Like, the Chevy tuning and the Ford tuning is, like, huge, and there's so much, like, beef and drama in that, but, like, <laughs> the Dodge guys kind of seem like they're just doing their own thing. Oh. <laughs> I know, like... I could go so many places with the Dodge, but I don't know... I think there's two that I know that tune, but I don't think they're, they beef with each other. I just I just think they just do whatever, mm -hmm. and um, and they're just happy to just tune, but I don't I don't... You're right. I don't see any beef in the Dodge world, but I don't know why. It's, it's such a popular platform. It's not rampant like it is in ours. Right. It's like a popular platform. I don't know why there wouldn't be beef. And I don't know if they lock it. Like, yeah. I don't know if I can go into If I'm a Dodge tuner, can I get an order tune from Homeboy, plug in and go, oh, I see it. Let me, let me manipulate it, unless he has the ability to lock it. Our locks are pretty intense. Like, you really have to know some coding mm -hmm. to get it. So that means that if 
we know you took it. We know you know coding or know someone that knows coding, so we can kind of Well, like with the Pro right. EFI, it's kind of just like a password. It's just a password protected tune. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a standalone. It's a standalone. Yeah, you just type in your password. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. So, like so, Alpha will remote in while I'm at the track and he'll just type in his password and he can tune it. Wait, so is your uh, stuff connected to the internet all the time? I'll just like tether to oh. my computer and then plug right in and you can do everything. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it's similar to like, well, well Lund won't do that live. Lund will see a data log and send you a revision. Yeah. To do it live, I'd have to like be there, unfortunately. We, we don't always do it live, but like if I'm having like an issue, he can remote in. I can be like checking the engine bay, like checking plugs, coils, like that kind of stuff, okay. checking boost controller. He can be like bumping boost controller, like, you know, turning on the solenoids so we can like go oh, through okay. stuff. Okay, so yeah, I guess that... For I diagnosis. Think, I think the UGR guys, whatever they use, it's a similar setup where it's mm -hmm. always data logging and if the customer's smart, it's always tethered to his phone and they're always adjusting. They're like, yeah, you're good. I just sent you a revision. And I'm like, imagine yeah. you just driving one day and then, ah, I looked at your log and it's a little lean, so I threw some fuel at it. You're good. I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's a scary thought. It is because it just auto-populates on their email. Mm -hmm. it, just, it just shows up and they're just like, oh, a data log, here you go. Hmm. I'm like, no, that's crazy stuff. Well, I would hate to cut this short because it was a great conversation, but I think for time's sake, we have to. Yeah, look, you're either going to have two episodes or one three hours. It's just going to be a long one. Okay. I'm not doing part twos unless you come back over. Gotcha. Not that'll, that'll be when there's a part two. Is when gotcha. Cool. No, thanks for having back. me. I really I hope, I hope the podcast takes off. It's been excellent to watch. So Thank you. hopefully have some more interesting people from the industry on and I'll be watching for sure. Appreciate it, man. So if you want to check out... Your stuff, where would it go? You can go to um, Alejandro Flores on YouTube or you can do uh, YDBT and that's an easy way of remembering it. It'll take you to my YouTube channel, my Twitter, and yeah, old my Old episodes Instagram. now? Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to put stuff up on, on Spotify, on Podbean. So you'll Twitter, uh, YouTube, Twitter, YouTube, and um, Instagram, YDBT for life, YDBT for life. And you should be able to find me. Sweet. Well, thanks for coming on, man. That'll do it, guys. Thank you for watching. We will see you next time. See you later.